Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 all right we're sitting outside the house with all the uh, people who want your money mm-hmm. and your kids all money. the lobbyists are out here we're going to reduce government save taxpayers money this They're year about what 30 30 yards from us something like that yeah but uh, they're all sitting over there. They've actually, the House has adjourned, has it not? I, I think they have, yeah. So has the Senate. Yep. So we got several people that are going to come by here in just a moment. Just let him know. Uh, Senator Trent Garner will be with us. He'll be talking to us about several pieces of legislation he has pending. In the next hour, I talked to State Representative uh, Stephen Meeks. He's going to stop by. We're going to talk to him about piece of legislation that showed up today about the microchipping. Yep. And we'll talk about that. Good thing or bad thing, Paul? Do you know well, much about it? I, I do. I actually spoke on that bill this morning. I, I Believe it or not, I spoke against it. Um, but with a, a big with a, surprise. With a, with a very... Actually, cause I'm, cause I'm, I'm actually kind of for part of it, but not, not for all of it. And so okay. what, it, what it does, and Stephen can help clarify this a little more, but, but from what I understand, what it does is it would um, ban government from requiring employees... From to, to 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 have a microchip implanted if they don't want it, they can microchip, but they can't say you, you must have to do, do it. it. Right, so okay. it would ban government from from requiring it. It would also ban private or private businesses and corporations from making it contingent on employment. Okay, that's, and that's part of where I come in is where my problem is that you know if a, and I don't have so much trouble with banning corporations from requiring it, but if it's an actual true private business. Where they don't get these corporate protections, you know, I think a private business ought to be able to to, um, to make any kind of dumb rule they want to for their employees, and their employees can say, "Well, I don't want to work here." So that's kind of where I came down on it. And so, so most of this bill, I'm okay with, because really, probably almost no private employers would ever do this sort of thing anyway, because it's it's probably too big of a um, a, a type of hassle uh, hassle to deal with. If you have just three employees, okay. Now I understand it went up before committee. It did, and it passed. Yeah. Oh, it did pass. It did pass. Yes. I was I, I was led to believe that it was deferred until some amendments were made. No, no, it passed. It passed out of committee, and Stephen is planning to make some some minor changes on it um, in between here here in the Senate. And so the, I, I, unless unless it didn't pass out of the House, I don't know what happened in the House. Um, and maybe it hasn't come up yet. Well, he- yeah, it, it probably hasn't gone to the floor probably yet. Probably hasn't, yeah. But it got out of committee. It did get out of committee. Yes. That's one of that's one of the biggest steps, you know, that you you make. I mean, mm-hmm. we got Senator Garner just came up and right. sat down. If you can get it out of committee, that's a big you step. have a fairly good uh, right. chance of getting it out of the <laughs> yeah, house. It, it, had, know, it, house had, it had one opposition well. vote in committee. It was um, that was Richard Womack. What? Did, why was Roma, Womack against it? He, he didn't want to grow government. Oh, he didn't want government to say that you, yeah. But that's, it said it, you didn't have to do it if you don't want well, to. No, that, that was the thing is it was going to ban um, employers from, from making it contingent. Well, on he, wanted for, he, he wanted employers to be able to make dumb decisions if they want to make dumb decisions. 
See, I got some problems with that. But anyway. <laughs> in other words, the bit, it, empo- it, employee will be able to fire the It wouldn't fly. I'm just saying it's not going to fly. Anybody who probably is Christian is going to say, uh, I don't, I don't want to be right. no, have I a chip that's put in my body. I can kind of understand that. I really do. Although... I'll pass. Yeah. No, I don't want it either. And I, <laughs> so I think the, the, the thing there is that you know, if an employer wants to make a dumb rule, let them make a dumb rule and their employees can just leave and nobody will work for them. Yeah, well, that's exactly what would happen. Yeah, I, I think it might be. Well, that's what would happen in a free wouldn't. country. Well, right. I, I think that's, <laughs> You that's, could have the choice. Right, have the choice. I think that, that's kind of where I'm Senator is sitting here very quietly. He's, he's doing good. He's sitting very quietly on this. Senator uh, Garner is with us. Trent, how are you? Good, Dave. Thanks for having me on today. First real big first day today, and uh, how did it go? Went well. I ran bills last week, so I kind of got out to a quick start, but got a bill through committee today, which is always good. And, which one? Uh, um, Veterans Task Force. Um, as you know, I'm a veteran, served two tours in Afghanistan, and support operation during freedom. And uh, because of my position, I always get veterans calling me. And uh, one of the big issues we have, not just in Arkansas, but across the nation, is veteran suicide. Yeah. So, here in Arkansas, we put a task force together for Medicaid spending. We put together a task force for taxes. I believe saving the lives of our veteran soldiers is just as important. And so we're going to have the resources in the next two years, assuming it passes, which I'm sure it will, to put together a comprehensive package to reduce that number of the veterans that uh, commit suicide in Arkansas. How bad That's is excellent. it here in Arkansas? I mean, I've heard nationally it's several every day that are dying. Nationally, the number I always tell people is, is 22 veterans a day commit suicide. You know, and I believe a lot of that has to do with employment, something else that we need to work on. And I appreciate your efforts in this deal is is uh, definitely recognizing the signs in education. But I think employing veterans and veterans being able to get into the workforce after they get out and feeling like a useful part of society is something else that maybe would help curve that number. I agree. I think anytime we can get somebody in a good employment and get back to the community, I always say in a joking manner that the military is kind of like kindergarten but on advance, on steroids which is, you know, when you're in the military, they tell you where to show up, they tell you where to eat, they tell you what to do, and they give you a mission and job to do it. It's a, lot, very, of, it's a it's, lot of security. Yeah, it is. It's a lot. It's very, very hard job, don't get me wrong, mm. but it, your life is very regimented for a reason. That helps with chain of command. It helps with making sure soldiers are at the right place at the right time, and it really is helpful. But once you step away from that structure, it can be hard. Um, I was lucky I transitioned pretty easy out of it into college, but not a lot of guys do that. Another issue we have is that we have a good-bad problem, I call it, where Compared to, say, Vietnam or World War II, veterans are surviving terrible injuries a lot better. That's great. We have great advancements in medical technology. The problem with that is they're coming back with a lot more physical and mental uh, issues that they didn't come back from the other wars from. Yeah, they just didn't come back. Yeah, exactly. They, they would die in combat from infection, from the severity of their wounds. We're happy. Obviously, I'm very excited yeah, they come back. But it leaves them in a different kind of mindset, a different kind of physical challenges. And so I think that with the overall large uh, how long the war has been going on when i was in the military um, i had a guy on my first deployment whose son was five years old he had never been home for christmas as long as his son's been born he'd been deployed five times every year wow that's a sacrifice for our country right there yeah, i know special forces guys who are on the eighth ninth tenth tour it's crazy and it's just wow. a long time to be in a very in a combat zone um, so so my, i don't know if you knew this but my father used to work in um at the va here in, mm-hmm. in north little rock and um he worked on the psych ward so he dealt with a lot of people coming back from vietnam and i think one of his um his things that he observed was that a lot of the people with a, a lot of the severe problems they, they'd had bad family structure and so uh, a lot of the guys that would come back from these different wars 
a lot of them had problems, but the ones who had good families were able to deal with it a lot better than those who didn't. And so those who didn't, a lot of times they got into drugs and alcohol and got themselves in pretty serious trouble. Absolutely. Yeah, Vietnam was a, you know, it is what it is as far as conflict go. But I always, when I see a Vietnam veteran, I always give them an extra thank you for how bad they were treated by this country when they came back. Whatever you thought about the war, good or bad. The, uh, the, the government was the bad player in that. I, I, I think I tend to agree with that. The men and women who served are, are, should be treated with respect. Fortunately, I think since Vietnam, we've learned a lot more about how PTSD works. Not mm-hmm. shell shock anymore. You have a mental condition or a, a psychological condition that they're getting a lot more treatment for. We have a long way to go, but I think societally we have changed that mindset in a positive direction. You know, one of the big hard processes was when we got to Vietnam, you know, you could be in Da Nang one day and the next day, just hours later, be back in the mainland and told to put on civilian clothes and go out and get along with everybody that was out there. Uh, I mean, in World War II, you had At least weeks. Couple, two or three weeks on a ship. Yeah, that you were on a ship or whatever, and that really caused a lot of problems, and it took a while uh, for the military to understand what was happening, the dynamic that was happening to military men and women. And, and also time. in World War II, I think the family structure was a lot more intact during that time, whereas after Vietnam and especially today, We've got so many families that are just in shambles. Yeah, another thing, Trent, you know, through going in the community and being part of the community, and I'm a member of the Sons of American Legions to try to to help out, but a lot of times we forget about the wives that served along with them that were left at home those five Christmases in a row with the kids without it. Because they've played a different role while their spouse was gone, now the spouse is there, and he's ready to, you know, kind of be the man of the house again, and that can be difficult. So both sides need support, and uh, I've seen a bunch of veterans after a veteran passes away that the, the a lot of times the wife gets half of the retirement of the veteran, and so they need to be remembered also. They serve this country yep, also, holding down the fort while they're gone, so... Uh, I appreciate your efforts, but, yeah, we don't need to leave them out either. Yeah, sometimes the veteran, their, their wives, my, my father just died a couple of years ago, and, and so my mom was relying upon his his retirement because she, she didn't work for I'd rather have the veteran's old. job. I think I'd rather go to the war than stay but, home with the kids but, myself. But when my dad died, you, you mentioned the cut in pay for the, for the veteran's wives. Yeah, my mom received a serious cut in pay when my father right. died because of his. So much of his That's, retirement was cut yeah, away. Yeah, they need support too. Yep. Uh, All right. So it's SB what? SB four. That should be on the agenda tomorrow. We have five or six, uh, seven bills. I was reviewing before I came here. That'll be on the agenda tomorrow. Um, nothing's too controversial. It just look, look like a lot of cleanup bills. Uh, but I have some fun bills in, in the queue for the next few weeks, uh, reducing the concealed carry fee and renewal fee by half. Um, I have. How one. how is that being? You usually can get a feel for how your fellow senators view things. How are they viewing that? Have, has the state police got to them yet? No, state police um, for, <laughs> Just are being very open about it. Good. Um, we are discussing today and tomorrow um, the funding mechanism to make up that income. So we're, giving them, we're giving them $2.2 million in new revenue already in our budget. That's going specifically for troopers, which is needed. Uh, the last time we gave them more money in our budget. Um, so I'm open to increasing the fee. I think the way it works, you know, I hate increasing the fee, but to be on somebody who commits either a crime or a lien or has some kind of negative consequence outside of a person who just wants to get a concealed carry for whatever purpose they want to use it for. Can, can we figure out a way to actually fund these organizations like the police and the courts without attaching it to, like, for instance, right now, 
in, in some cases, we find someone guilty and the state police or local sheriffs or maybe even the courts get money when they find them guilty. Yeah. That seems like a pretty serious conflict of interest. Can we just fund these organizations? Just fund them. Send them directly from, from general revenue. Don't make it contingent on finding someone guilty because okay. that seems like a serious conflict of interest. It makes the courts, well, we need to find this guy guilty because we need to get paid. It, it, it can be. I agree. I mean, civil asset forfeiture is a major issue, not mm-hmm. just Arkansas, but across the United States. And I am very, very open to change our system. The problem is our great prosecutors who keep us safe and who go after criminals to rely on that revenue. Mm-hmm. So as much as I hate to say it, you're danged if you do, danged if you don't. And, and it's hard to get new revenue through them because of our tight budget because we don't want to increase taxes. So, I mean, like last uh, session, we increased a bill for, uh, I believe, sex offenders and how they use a computer. If they were found guilty, they could increase the fee. That makes sense. They're the one committing the crime. They should have to pay the fee rather than the general population. But it can create a negative incentive to do that. I don't, I'm not impugning well, and, and, any. Well, and I understand that. And I understand that. The, and I, I'm okay with people paying fines. But can we direct those fines to the victims instead of the government? Well, and, and then, then these government organizations that need funding, like the courts and the police and whoever else, fund them directly. Don't make it contingent on their performance, if you will, because I think the tendency is for them to want to perform based upon how they're going to collect money for it. I, I generally works. agree with that sentiment. Obviously, it gets down to specifics of what that right, fee where is you're going to get the money from. and then where the money is going to come from. What you run into even on the county quorum court, you know, if you've got a, a big system, you'd like to make a change so the money may go directly to the police department so it doesn't come out of general because general gets sucked by everything. And sometimes right. the police officers get left out because uh, – and a lot of the times their money that they create through, you know uh, – having a concession stand or something else goes back in the general and they don't even get that money back but you have to change the entire system to be able to change it because once you make it's like a it's like an ecosystem if you make a change here it affects everybody so you have to change the entire thing across the board right but we're talking about basic government functions we're talking about the judicial system the police, I mean, those are basically the basic reasons why we have government is to defend people's rights. Yeah. Let's fund those first, and then we can deal with parks. And yeah. Look, here's what system. I say. I think that if they, if the if state police could fund their retirement by the people who stay and camp out in the left lane <laughs> on the highway, <laughs> that we'd have, plenty of mo- we'd have plenty of money to be able to uh, pay their retirement. You want to change the penalty for driving in the passing lane? And ra- raise it and, and break down on it. Yeah, make it a absolutely. public hanging offense. <laughs> no, 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 no. We, we, we want to make sure we get you, you, you want, you the want them to stay alive. That's right. Make them exactly. into galley slaves. All right, stay with us, Senator. We'll be right back. Got to get a break in here in Dave Ellswick's show. We are live at the uh, Capitol. We'll do this until the end of the session, Monday through Thursday to start with. As we get close to the end, we're going to go Monday through Friday. We thank the folks from Sunstar uh, Insurance for uh, being behind us and sponsoring it. And we'll be back in a moment here at 101.1 FM. You know, liberty shouldn't hang in the balance every election cycle. And to learn how to put the uh, permanent brakes on that in Washington, D.C., uh, join Senator Tom Coburn and Convention of States Director Mark Meckler at the uh, Holiday Inn Presidential in Little Rock uh, tomorrow, uh, tomorrow evening at 7 p.m. You've heard them on Life, Liberty, and Levin. Now meet them in person. Uh, to get more details on that, go to uh, Convention of States, one, uh, one word, conventionofstates.com slash Arkansas. And if you want to hear Senator Coburn, 
He'll be on my show at 2 o'clock right here from the Capitol on Thursday. i got to talk to Jr. and, and uh, try to switch his time around with us uh, on Thursday so that we can uh, get the senator on. But uh, they're going to be over talking about what's going on as far as the conviction uh, convention of states. Back here at the uh, the Capitol, we've got uh, Senator Trent Garner on with us, and uh, we've been talking about um, you know the whole deal about uh, the different legislation that that he's uh, putting forth right now. One of uh, we t- we heard about uh, SB four, mm-hmm. the uh, the thing that changed the uh, amount on concealed carry is SB. It should be SB seventeen. Seventeen. Yep. Okay, and that's. Give us a breakdown on that again. What it's a fifty dollars, and then it goes lower than than that if you're beyond what sixty five years old. No, what it essentially does is whenever you have to, you still have to pay the fee to the instructor. I, I don't have that as problem. Oh yeah, business. I understand. It's that. a reduced from hundred dollars to fifty dollars for the initial concealed carry fee, and uh-huh. the renewal is reduced by half as well. Okay. So for whenever, like my wife is, she has concealed carry. When it goes out and needs to be renewed, she'll pay half the fee back just to be basically checked again uh, by the government. Now, if you're an old geezer like I am, uh, do you get an additional little tip? I don't think so. No, right now we keep it pretty simple. I'm shooting for it. You're going to be there sooner or later, RD. So hey, I'm not. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to run the bill called the Dave Ellswick bill, where you're issued an AR-15 by the government uh, when you turn 65. <laughs> I like that. Actually, you mentioned that. You, 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 you've got the bill that does the shotgun as the state. Yes, I do. Can you go ahead and include into it to, to make you issue a shotgun to every? Um, High school student who graduates. <laughs> I'd love that as a avid duck hunter. I would love that, but it uh, depends on what kind it has to be. Eight seventy is pretty cheap, you know, two hundred, three hundred dollars. If you can buy them in bulk, that's true. Yeah, there yeah. you go. <laughs> just think, just think of how much crime would drop if you did that. That's true. I, I like it. Yeah, I pro- bet if you pro- went to some of the makers of shotguns, Bernelli and some of them, they might say, you know what. <laughs> And maybe a Remington, you know, like the one they use over in Vietnam, mm-hmm. the twelve gauge pump they had. That was an eight seventy. I think. I love the. I've got an eight seventy. Oh, they're good. I guns. love them. But the bottom line is, is that uh, I bet you talk to Remington, they'd say, you know, we'll give them free. They might. Yeah, okay. just, that would be a lot. That would we be just a lot. Want of them, our banners. All over the school. Graduation. Well, the thing about it is, if you have a gun, you have to buy ammo for it. You have to buy all for it. You got to buy all the essential accessories yeah. with it. So that it could just, be good. But just the, the extra two hundred fifty bucks per student, and just think how much crime would drop. <laughs> I, I bet you crime might actually drop an awful lot. We have to see. I agree. We have to see about that. Well, from that. the reaction from the uh, anti-gun left, just by the simple bill of making a shotgun, I don't know how far that would get. Uh, uh, it's been very interesting. That was a fun bill. That I thought you know showed our heritage, showed that we yeah. like duck hunting, and I've gotten more negative. Reaction Reaction to that bill than I have some of the other ones, which it's very interesting how politics. A, a works. bill that does absolutely we're nothing. To, no, we're not supposed to have a state gun. Is what I, you're saying. I, I got my first shotgun in the fifth grade. Yeah. I probably got fifty of them by now. So I'm, I'm an Arkansan. <laughs> and I'm all what, for what's it. What's their argument about <laughs> a state shotgun? Oh, they just think it's so. It's not a good use of the time. But I think I said it, it takes little time. BLR is a good symbol. We have a state diamond. We have a state all kind of mottos. Yeah, state have, bird, state dinosaur. Last session, which you know was interesting, but. <laughs> We have really? a license plate for everything, don't we? Yeah, we have a license plate for everything. Yeah, the, the state Arkansas is something. And I can't remember the exact technical name of it, but some animal or dinosaur found only in Arkansas. Arkansas Rex. There you go. Yeah, yeah. 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 don't say that. I start hearing my grandson's songs yeah. in my head. Yeah, know. I have a little son, and the baby shark thing. If you don't know anything about it, don't Google it. Yeah. It'll get stuck in your head. <laughs> have you heard the Tyrannosaurus Rex song? I have not, no. Oh, dude, it's coming. <laughs> Just telling you. He walks around stomping. 
and when that song plays. Mm-hmm. He acts like the Tyrannosaurus Rex, oh, puts it, pulls his arms up, you know. <laughs> Looks like an Arkansas football receiver. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> I like Zach is sitting here at his side, and he got the biggest laugh out of that one. <laughs> he liked that. All right, so you got that. Any, any other uh, big ones that are there? Anything that you think is going to cause oh, any problems? A couple bills for um, sex offenders. Um, I ran one in judiciary. It, I think it's going to pass. I need to make a couple of changes to it, um, dealing with Internet, using the photos, and how you act yourself at sexual level threes and fours, the worst of worst. Mm-hmm. One dealing with Halloween, Halloween-related activities. And a few other bills I'll be following in the next few weeks. I think some of them will be interesting. Um, not to spill the beans because I'm still working on it, but uh, expect something very soon uh, to deal with the ongoing budget crisis that the Washington, D.C. and and, uh, and support of the wall. So something okay. may be coming up very soon about that. I have a question okay. about the one with sex offenders. So, Okay, hold it. Okay. Just hold it. Can you stick with us for about another five minutes? Yes, sir, I can. All right, we've got to get a break in. we got news coming our way. Let's do that. Then when we return, we'll come back with Senator Trent Garner and see what he's got uh, in the future. Hey, did you know there's 567 different ways to claim your Social Security benefits? How about 2,728 rules in the Social Security handbooks? And that's all true. Make matters worse, the government told the Social Security Administration that they're actually forbidden to offer you any personalized advice about how to take your Social Security. So you're on your own. It's no wonder why as much as... $10 billion in benefits go unclaimed every year. You can learn how you could wring every nickel out of your Social Security benefits in the up-to-date guide to Social Security. It's from David Lucas, host of uh, the David Lucas Show. You hear it right here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. 10 a.m., 2 p.m., every or 3 p.m., 10 a.m., 3 p.m. every Saturday to get your free guide to Social Security. Be one of the first 10 callers right now at 501-653-6690. Now, the, the reason you want to read that guide is you don't want to leave thousands upon thousands of dollars on your retirement table. Get back every nickel that's rightfully yours. Call 501-653-6690 or visit davidlucasfinancial.com. Our guest is uh, State uh, Senator uh, Trent Garner. We've been talking about uh, some of the bills that he's got pending. We talked about SB4, uh, which is dealing with veterans. SB17 is going to hopefully reduce the cost of uh, your your license for concealed carry and Paul, when we left, you had a question for him. Yeah, so, so on the sex offenders, I think it was SB8. Um, f- first question, if, if these people are so dangerous we can't trust them with a camera, why do we turn them loose in the first place? I mean, why aren't these people being put to death or left in prison? And two, if, we're, if we know these people are dangerous... If we're going to, and we're going to let them out, which I think is maybe a d- dumb idea, but we are letting them out, obviously. If we tie a lot of strings to them, are we perhaps frustrating them and maybe making them maybe more likely to, to have problems? Well, for the first answer, um, I am very, very, very harsh on sex offenders, especially level three and fours. These are the worst of the worst. I mean, okay. the most horrendous crimes. Um, as far as I know, and the Supreme Court has made it cruel and unusual punishment to put somebody to 
death for the death penalty if they have not committed the actual crime of murder. Now, what? my counter-argument is, yes. Maybe they need to get, get some brains. But anyway, go ahead. My counter-argument is when you steal the innocence of a child, and you, especially for the worst of worst, I mean, mm-hmm. years of sexual abuse, physical and mental scars will never get out. Oh. I think you've taken that to that point. So there, there, if you if we pass that in Arkansas, it would have a constitutional challenge. I, I think it's ripe to be overturned the other way. Right. But uh, that still is the reason why. The second point of it is... I would prefer they stay in jail forever, but that's okay. another. You run into other constitutional issues. Mm-hmm. With that being said, um, if we are going to release them, we need to place the strongest restrictions on them as possible. I understand your point about them trying to integrate back in society. Mm-hmm. That's fair. We want them to right. do that, but the statistics show they're four or five times more likely than a normal criminal to reach. To, to reoffend within twenty years, the vast majority of them do. Right. They have such a tendency to do that, and that. that we have to make sure we do all the protection we can and basically catch them. Right. And I hate to say that because we shouldn't just keep them off the streets, but catch mm-hmm. them so that they, if they do it or try to do it, we can mm-hmm. get them and get them off the street. That's what my bill does. Right. It, like, you know, if a sex offender was using a child of image to catfish another child, mm-hmm. saying, oh, I'm a 12-year-old boy, right, come meet right. me here, just that itself, hey, using that picture would be mm-hmm. enough to, to put him back in jail on a felony, mm-hmm. which under the circumstances is what needs to happen. Like I told the committee, the reason, one of the reasons I changed my bill to include using the image is I had a family friend who had a beautiful little niece, mm-hmm. and they were going through Facebook and saw a picture that a grown man used as a profile picture. As a, of, way, as of, a way to seduce as, somebody else. As her niece. that They didn't know idea who it was, so mm-hmm. they had to go through Facebook. Right. Thankfully, Facebook took it off. But if that man had been a sex offender, able to use that image, uh, it can be used for nefarious purposes. Right. So. right. He might use it for manipulating somebody yes, else or yes. trying to catch somebody else. The other her. one is Halloween-related activity. So if you're a sex offender, you're not allowed to put candy out. You're not allowed to wear a mask. You're not allowed to try to entice children into your home. Right. Uh, unless they're obviously like your guardian or your personal family. Mm-hmm. That's still allowed. Uh, what I always say is while our kids are out there dressed as monsters, let's keep them away from the real monsters. That's for sure. So well, – so, so, so where do we go with this? We've got apparently we've got, we have some serious problems with turning dangerous people loose. How do we fix this? Like you said, maybe it's ripe for a a, a, re- a re-challenge on the constitutional grounds. Can we do that? Can we make it so that we're not turning these criminals loose? Yeah. Because I see in so many different areas, we've got a bunch of criminals running around, and it makes a lot of us afraid for other people to have liberty because, well, we've got all these criminals walking around. We've, we've got to stop them from, from having access to liberty. Therefore, we've got to do all these checks and, and background checks on the good people. So how do we stop that from happening? How, how do we stop these criminals from being loose? Well, one, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm happy that we have a society that can rehabilitate and will give people second chances. I mean, people can make mistakes. Um, Obviously not sex offenders, but mm-hmm. people in general can make mistakes, and we're happy that if they get out. I've worked on all legislation to give people a second chance that they earn it and they deserve it. Mm-hmm. But I'm always for sh- more stringent punishments for sex offenders. Um, like I said, if you're a level four, if you're at that level, I don't think you ever should see the light of day. And I'll be that blunt about it. And the death penalty, uh, I think, could be used for the most extreme cases for sure. And if we pass a law, I'd be very supportive of that. And then we have to see the constitutional challenge that will, of course, come from them. All right. Go ahead. I appreciate your work in that department. And a lot of this comes back to funding. Uh, We have to fund our prisons and our county jails and our state jails. And right now with an overcrowding problem, you know, I appreciate you. What you're trying to do is raise the level of of the uh, 
sentence for these offenders. But uh, right now, there's so much incentive to let people out early and put them through a rehabilitation program. We've got these nonprofits running rehabilitation programs. So, so do you think that that uh, you could extend the sentences or raise like a level three and a level four so they do a minimum amount of time you could i mean sex offender to me is almost a separate category compared to say somebody who commits assault or battery or you know white collar crimes even though those are bad i'm not negating those uh for them, I'd, like I said, level four especially, I'd like to never see the light of day. I'd, I'd, I'd be open to that or death penalty. Level threes are maybe a severe about penalty. But Minimum 10 years or something like that. Absolutely. And to, to your point about uh, the crime or the prison population in general, uh, Arkansas had one of the highest in our region with the criminal population. Um, we did some things last time to make the ease of it. My thing is 80 to 90 percent of people in prison right now will get out one day. Just the way it's going to work. And we have two choices. We can either keep them in jail, have them get out with no hope, no education, nothing, and watch them do it again, or send them out there with a chance to get back. Because ultimately, I don't care who you are, as a Christian, as a lawmaker, as a moral person, I want people out in society to be productive, especially if they serve their time for whatever they did. And they, it's called grace. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that's good not only for a moral reason, it's good for a societal reason. That person's out there being a productive member of society. They're not right. costing taxpayer resources and all that. So I, I will work on some legislation to do that. One of the things I'm going to do is called the Fresh Start legislation. It has to do with occupational licensing board. It will basically make it so... Right now, occupational license board, so say you want to come out, it could be a barber. They have prohibitions on any kind of felon or any kind of reason. You basically have no chance of getting that job. Instead, even though they might learn how to cut hair in prison. Right. Even they might learn how to cut hair. Even they may be completely rehabilitated. They want to go down that career path. There was one story of a girl who got out, had a wreck, got hooked on prescription pills, and because of that, she had severe uh, consequences right, right, right. criminally. She got put in jail. She cleaned her life around. And she was in extreme pain, and she learned how to do therapeutic massages to actually relieve her pain. Mm-hmm. When she came out, the state she was in wouldn't give her a license. Even though she wanted to do the training, mm-hmm. even though she said she was clean, she couldn't pr- practice that profession because the government told her no. Right. And we need to change that in Arkansas. Like, you know, if you're a child molester, guess what? You're not going to work at a school. I don't care forever. Right, right? exactly. That's, it, that, but that should be listed instead of saying, hey, you got busted for a weed charge when you were 19 years old. Now we're not going to let you do this job for the rest of your life, even though you're 40 and you never reconvicted a crime. Right, so that's one of right. the pieces of legislation I'll be running tomorrow in the task force for red tape reduction. And I think it's something that we can start putting people on a path to get a job and be successful. Otherwise, you have a tendency to push them back into crime when you make it so difficult for them to, to, to make a living. Yep. All right. Let me ask you one last question and let you get out of here. Yes, sir. And that deals with... Uh, clarifying and cleaning up some legislation that's already been passed here uh, in the uh, the capital that deals with open carry mm-hmm. and uh, being a constitutional carry state uh, are we are we going to see and not necessarily from you but from somebody to make that more clear that Arkansas is a constitutional carry state I, I hope so I mean I've been supportive of it um, Fortunately, last time in the session, I put out a bill that would clean it up, and I got some pushback from people who are typically on our side on this issue. I can understand it. You know, people who care about our Second Amendment, care about our right to carry, they get very worried about changing Act 746. And Act 746, I believe, creates constitutional permanent carry, whatever you want to do it. But it has some issues, and I think that's the reason why it's not followed in mass. And mm-hmm. there's not much we can do except clean it up. Now, it makes people nervous when legislators come in there and start adjusting with something they think good. I think we should have a good permanent system for 
going across state lines and some other things, and also allow anybody to carry if we want to. So I'd be open to it. Um, I probably won't run that legislation because I'm not on city, county, local, which now hears um, going to taking care of it. Yep. So if there's uh, other bill, somebody wants to support that, assuming the language is good, it doesn't kind of pull back some of the advancements we made. I'd probably be very supportive of that. Um, but I, I don't have any personal desire to run it right now because of too many other things. And like I said, I'm trying to get the permanent system uh, to be as clear and better as possible, especially for the enhanced carry. I know the enhanced carry takes some uh, negative attention from the mom-to-man actions, which is fine by me. <laughs> I was a veteran, served two tours in Afghanistan, came back, was a gunshot victim in an armed robbery, went to school for six years or was not allowed to protect myself. Now, because of the enhanced carry, thousands of Arkansans are able to carry, are able to carry in this capital. You know what's happened since we've done that and people are carrying the capital? Nothing. 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 And that's like what we said would happen. It hasn't become the Wild West. Right. right. I mean, the, the, the idea, though, you look at, look at the facts, facts on this stuff is that concealed carry permit holders are not dangerous people. No. Look at them. If you're not afraid of the police walking around with guns, you shouldn't be afraid of concealed carry permit holders. Concealed carry permit holders, from what I understand, have lower crime instance rates than police do. Dr. John Lott came and spoke about my bill, um, a good friend of mine, and uh, he came by your show, that's right. Yep. Um, he's, he's got all kind of data that shows concealed carry holders are actually commit less crime than police officers. I love sure. police officers, yeah. but they're less likely right. to commit a crime. And I know personally, when I concealed carry, it makes me calmer, it makes me think things through easier, because I know it's more of a heightened situation if something escalates. Right. It makes me want to step away from a conflict rather than mm-hmm. to increase it, to make sure I'm not putting myself in the situation where I have to use that weapon in a legal but deadly manner. All right, Senator Trent Garner, we've taken up far too much of your time. We thank you for coming in and joining us. We're going to be right here on the third floor every Monday through Thursday. You've got anything you want to talk about? Come on over. Thank you so much, Dave. Thank you, guys. Appreciate right. the power, Peter. Thanks for being here. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be more here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. And uh, whereas, All right, we are back here at the, uh, the house. Uh, we're on the house side in the Capitol and uh, doing our thing today, having fun. Trent Garner was very good today. Uh, some good things that he's planning. Some good things that would happen if uh, he decides to kind of push it some with sex offenders. And I'm all about that. Uh, I don't know. If you, I think, Paul, you're aware that, uh, you know, four of my kids have been molested. Yeah, you, you, I, you've heard. You've, you mentioned some of that from yeah. time to time. And I, I mean, and two of them, my wife's previous marriage two of them when we were married and the next door neighbor um, assaulted my sons. Right. And so uh, I, I think you'd probably be on board with Trent Garner there. In many cases, the death penalty is the appropriate response. Oh, yeah, response. I agree. And I, it's, and, and it's we, we've got a serious problem because we're turning criminals loose that we can't trust, and now we've got to figure out what to do with them. And then you want to tell me somehow you're going to keep them from getting their hands on a, on a computer. Because yeah, that's, that's where they impossible. do most of their their nefarious actions is on and, and, is there and so i think the nefarious so, the nefarious the, the the solution here is we need to figure out some way to stop turning these guys loose and i think you know if someone's so dangerous we can't trust them with a flipping camera or, or with different. a computer yeah you know? i mean why, why are these guys still breathing there's different categories of criminals. I agree. And of these different categories, there's different tendencies to 
some of them to go back and recommit right. the crime. So these 98% people, ninety-eight percent of yeah. Them. So these people, this category needs to be treated special, different to the other categories. There needs to be a minimum, a minimum sentence. That if you're convicted of this level, like a third degree or fourth degree, then you get a minimum what, sentence. A four, a fourth degree uh, assault by a pedophile. It may not kill the person, but I'm going to tell you right now, it kills their spirit. It kills. It took years for my uh, adopted uh, daughters to get over that. Well, I think they probably never will be over it. But, yeah, there are certain uh, uh, levels that I think that most Arkansans would agree the death penalty would warrant. warrant. I think if you put that on a ballot, it would probably pass for for a certain level of it. But but for the people that have found that are going to reoffend, you know, they need to be in they need to be in jail for the rest of right. their lives. They should never be back okay, I mean, out. When we've got a father raping his own kids, I mean, why is it that they can't get the death penalty? Why can't that be the only solution? Why, why is it six, seven, eight, ten, fifteen years is drawn out with death row? Then I, th- I think these penalties would be more effective at prevention. Just read Judge Parker. <laughs> Judge Parker had it figured he out. He said it. And done quick enough to make it uh, work enough. Right. It's, That's it's, exactly. it's, it's, it's just what he said. It's, it's a bad idea, I think, when a murder happens. There's no no question about it's guilt, the person's being guilty. 27 years later, the guy finally dies of a heart attack in prison. As opposed to, you know, we've got plenty of witnesses, no question about guilt. Why isn't he hanging in a month? Well, you know, we've got a big system just like our... But we just have to make sure we're moving in the right direction. Yeah. Well, there's some, you know, there's some lawyer somewhere that needs to feed his family, right? Some four hundred yeah, pound some lawyer, taxpayer that needs to pay for that lawyer. That's is right. a problem. Absolutely, is what taxpayers right. are paying inmates right. Right. to sue the, the state, and, and the we people, have a problem. Right. And the people making the rules, i.e., the Supreme Court, are also lawyers. Yeah, a bunch of attorneys. Many of them. A, many of attorneys. Right, right. In our, in Arkansas, they are the. They're, they do, you're not required to be an attorney to be a judge on the federal level. But, I understand, but in the in the Arkansas level, oh, well, you got to have a law degree to be a. In judge Arkansas, in? you do. You have to be a, have to have a law degree to be a, a judge or a prosecutor. So just because you can pass a, a test, they say you're smart enough to. I, I suppose, to melt out the well, law. Well, actually, though, see, getting a law degree, going through law school, actually. I, in my opinion, makes you dumber, <laughs> but um, because it, it, they they brainwashed you into a- accepting a lot of the ideology. Unless in, you have Robert uh, Steinbach as a, a teacher, well, he he might help. And, but the th- thing is, so so one of the things they teach you in law school is that precedent is law. Therefore, when they come down, when the Supreme Court rules a, a certain way, then it's law. As opposed to you and I would changed. say that perhaps that that you know the Supreme Court got this wrong. They should be impeached because they're wrong. They they trashed the Constitution. So why did they change Dred Scott? Because if precedent was the way that you follow. Well, they, right. it can change be- because it's, you should change because they're it, not though. consistent. They're yeah. hypocrites. I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, only what they think should be. <laughs> well, yeah. it's, it's, I printed it off until if anybody has a question. What do you got? There has been three hundred and seventy-one bills filed in the first week. In, in, in the day. first week and a days, there's been three hundred and seventy-one bills filed. So, well, uh, we still have time for another seventeen hundred or so. Oh yeah, yeah. We ought to make it to twenty-five hundred. <laughs> Maybe so. In what sixty days? It's amazing. Well, you can this year 
you can uh, file a bill up to the last day of the session. Up to the last day of the yeah, session. Yeah, they so they're not cutting no it cutoff. off now. There's no cutoff date. Well, I tell you what. I think the that ones started that, two years ago, in fact. The, I, one thing that I found through watching this is the, the ones they're trying to pass on the last day are the ones that That's you want to pay attention to. Because uh, they usually slip them in for the last oh, meeting they, of the last committee at the last minute. Absolutely. <laughs> and they can grease the skids for those things, You'd be too, amazed really how fast. Run fast. Basically, from what I understand... Uh, RD is the reason they've ex- extended the time that you can file is to keep so many shell bills from being filed early. Right. Where there's nothing in them, they got a name on them, but there's nothing there, and then that way they can file it and they beat that date. Now they you got to you know you got to so read them read before it. you know you got to read it before you vote for it to know what's in it. Right, so kinda, it's kind of the Pelosi rule. Right, well, so I tell what, you what, when I'm talking to my senator and representatives, uh, I'd always ask them if they read a certain bill before they voted on it. And hmm. in the past, it wasn't a good ratio. No, it's no. not. Well, and the thing no, is, I don't have time to read two thousand bills. You know, that's yeah, what they'll tell you. And it's frustrating with the shell bills because it'll you have a, what they call a shell bill. It's basically a title, and you get into that's the committee, it. and then the sponsor amends it right there. And those of us who maybe want to speak for it or against it, we may not have any access to the to, to the um, what's going to be how it's going to be amended, which the amendment is the bill essentially. That's true. And so then, in Two minutes, they basically make the whole, write the whole bill right there, and then they pass the thing in committee. All right. In the next hour, we'll come back with you after the news. R.D. Hopper and Paul Calvert, myself, Jan Morgan, sends her regrets, but she was not able to be here today. Coming up in the next hour, our guest is going to be State Representative Stephen Meeks. We'll talk about, you know, uh, broadband uh, here in the state as well as microchipping. That's all coming your way on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, let's move into the second hour of the show today here on a Tuesday. Uh, They're talking about in the morning we might see some ice. Uh, around uh, so if that happens drive with care you know they're getting serious when i get a uh, i get a text from the people who owned our building that our station is in and it's telling us about remember that the stairs from the upper parking dot do, you know parking lot uh take longer to chill basically out so that you can walk on them without falling down and breaking your rump and then yeah. talk about uh, and the landing down there gets slick too. Yeah, and if it and they're not responsible, mm-hmm. uh, they do a disclaimer. We're yeah. not responsible. Wear the right footwear. Yeah. Well, you know can the I right wear, footwear would be cleats? if I'm going out and climbing the side of a mountain somewhere. They call on, crampons. You know, and t- yeah, and take me one of those uh, special an deals. Ice axe. Yeah, an I- yeah, an ice axe. That's what I need. Or something like Come that. Then, then they would uh, they would arrest me for having <laughs> deadly weapons on myself. Come to work at your own risk. That's about what it is. <laughs> so I'm I'm just letting Russ know right now mm. that if we have ice on the road tomorrow, I'm waiting, brother, until it melts off. Mm. I got two big hills I got to go over mm. from. By I don't live in Greystone. I live outside of Greystone. But I just got to tell you, I got those two big hills that I got to go over to either get away from it or come towards it. Hmm. And it gets a little bit hairy sometimes when we get some uh, uh, ice out there. By the way, uh, my my thanks to yeah, thanks to Zach 
uh, for being here during the first hour. He comes and makes sure everything's working right uh, with our uh, uh, Mevo, which is the device that we use so that we can do this show live on the Dave Ellswick Show uh, Facebook uh, live. So uh, go to fb.com slash Dave Ellswick Show. You can watch the show. You can see Stephen Meeks, who's sitting right across from me right now. Look at that camera right That's over right. there. Wave at him so they can see. That's Stephen Meeks. This is RD, and that there is Paul. That's so weird. I can sit here. It's about three seconds like behind. You're doing the weather forecast. <laughs> yeah, forecast. it's kind of like that. It's kind of like that. Here's your forecast for tomorrow. We believe this is what's going to happen. But ask me what the weather will be in 20 years, and I'll tell you how lo- how high the, 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 oceans, the oceans will rise. Right. Okay. So anyway, enough of that. Let's get back. Let's bring let's bring in uh, State Representative Stephen Meeks, who has uh, proven himself. Is this your third time? Fifth. This is your fifth time. All yes. right. So um, down the road, are we looking at maybe? State Senator Stephen Meeks? No, no. You don't want to do the Senate thing? No, well, I'm the senior member of the House. If I go to the Senate, I'll be at the bottom of the totem pole. So, oh, so why not be at the, why, you know, exactly. the big fish in the little pond, right? Exactly. <laughs> the big fish. And they do things yeah, weirdly the down there. Fish, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, they do. They, they're the more deliberative That's body, right. yeah. as they like to say. So you've got a couple of pieces of legislation. I know of two. I'll ask you the numbers of these and then what you're trying to do with them, and then you tell me if you got anything else out there. One is going to be and got out of committee today Correct. Mm-hmm. dealing with microchipping. Correct. Bring, what's the number of this HB bill? That's uh, 1177. Okay, 1177, and uh, it went up. It, uh, it was okay, but you're going to go back, from what I understand. There were some people that I know that were there, and they said that uh, you were going to make uh, amend it a little mm-hmm. bit. Right. Okay, right. so tell us ex- exactly, because people hear about microchipping, and, you know, if they're, if they're you know, pre-millennialists, they're mm-hmm. all of a sudden saying, oh, my God, it's the beast. Right. You know, 666 yep. six, six and all of that. But anyway... Tell me about it. Sure, sure. And I'm, uh, thank you for having me on yeah, to, to talk about this. You're uh, always, always welcome. Well, thank here. you. I appreciate that. Um, so there's actually been a little some misunderstandings about the bill, and uh, one of them may be the way that the title was worded. So I think we're going to amend the title to maybe make that a little bit clearer. What's the title say? Uh, something basically about uh, managing uh, human microchipping. And so the uh, presupposition that people will make is that I'm trying to push microchips yeah, in the state yeah. of Arkansas. So a lot of people, uh, without That's reading the bill the first time then i read the bill yeah uh and so you can imagine all the uh, calls i've gotten over the weekend about uh you know everything from mark of the beast to uh (laughs) you know people saying well we're not cattle or livestock how dare you try to get us microchipped and others think that uh you know if we're going to start microchipping we should start with the politicians first (laughs) of course i would be okay okay yeah there might be something to that but um put gps trackers on gps that right exactly keep keep track of us um, so, uh, folks may or may not know this, but I chair the technology committee here in the House. And so one of the things I do as part of my position is I'm constantly reading stories related to technology, trying to keep up with technology so that we can uh, try where opportunity allows to be proactive uh, instead of always being reactive to technology is, is typically what happens in, in uh, the law. And so about a year ago, I was reading the story about uh, over in Sweden how uh, people were getting microchipped over there. And 
essentially they were using it in lieu of swipe cards. So you get microchipped, allows you to get mm-hmm. into your office, allows you to log into your computer. You can go down to the break room, buy snacks. Uh, since that time, it has expanded, and now people can use it to buy their fare on uh, public transit. And they're even discussing making it so that, you know, going full bore where you can use it to make purchases in shops and restaurants. Um, so uh, I thought that's something that we should definitely need to keep an eye on that technology. Well, this summer I read a story about a company in Wisconsin that started offering it to their employees. It was a medium-sized tech firm. Uh, they offered it. They got like 300 employees, and out of the 380 have taken the microchips. And again, same the same situation to replace the uh, uh, swipe cards. And so I went to BLR, our legislative arm that does research, and I asked them, is anyone doing anything on this on a regulatory front? Um, this technology is coming. They can be ready or not. Ready here or not. It comes. Yeah, it can be at Arkansas next week, or it could be three, four years from now. Who knows? But there is no laws regulating this whatsoever anywhere in the country. And uh, so I decided, well, we know this is coming. It's just a matter of when. We need to lay some ground rules because it's a whole lot easier to do that beforehand than wait till the cat's out of the bag and try to fix it. Uh, and so uh, the bill that I filed, it's just a, it's a fairly basic bill. It's just to lay a foundation to get a beginning, and it has four components to it. The first component is, is that an employer cannot force you to take a microchip. Okay. Uh, so that's number one. If you do want to accept one, you have to sign an affidavit. And so that protects both the employee and the employer so that the employee is just not going to come back and, you know, file a lawsuit and saying that, you know, they slipped it to me in the middle of the night or they forced me. So the employee has to sign an affidavit saying they accept it. And, okay. And, and knows. they got to opt in. they got to opt in, essentially. The uh, second thing it does is it says that at any time the employee can choose to have it removed. Uh, once they make that choice that the employer has 30 days to have the chip removed. Uh, the third thing it does is that if there's any health consequences related to the data or what related to having the chip, shouldn't be, but if there is, that the company is going to be responsible for it. Uh, so essentially the company is responsible for all the costs related to implementing a program like this. Okay. The other thing it does is it says that the employee shall know what data is being stored on the microchip and what that is being used for. And then lastly, what happens when the employee leaves? When the employee leaves, they have two choices. The company can either take it out or the employee can say, no, it's not harming anything. I don't want to go through the fuss of having it taken out. Leave it in there. I'm going to sign an affidavit saying I take all responsibility from it at that point forward. Um, Because what we don't want to happen is... 20 years from now, an employee to come back and say, hey, you put this in me. Now I want you to take it out. Right. Okay. So Makes or, sense. So or, that, may, that's, or maybe they get an infection from or, it 25 years later. Right. Exactly. And so that's, that's what it essentially does in a nutshell. Um, a couple of the tweaks that we're looking at doing, um, and like I said, we're the first state that has looked at doing this. So we're, we're, we're plowing uncharted ground. That's a lot cool. of time. I'm glad that, you know, Arkansas, for being as small as we are, mm-hmm. are really grabbing hold of some technological things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we got the free speech bill that's out there, and if that goes through, that's one of the strongest protections of the First Amendment yep. anywhere in the United States. This is good things that are happening sure, in Arkansas. Sure. And one of the benefits to us being a small state is we can maybe be a little more flexible than some of the larger ones. And uh, 
so uh, the, the small tweaks that we're looking at are, are uh, fairly mundane. Uh, one is I do want to change the title of the bill, and that goes back to no one's ever done this before, so there's not right. a template to follow. So uh, change the title of the bill just to make it more in line with what it is. Essentially, in a nutshell, it's just an employee protection bill is what it, what it amounts okay. to. Okay. Um, the second tweak is there's a line in the bill that says that it has to be a surgical implant. It's not really a surgery. To get this implanted, it's basically in a syringe. They stick a needle in you. So, and deposit it. Yeah. Usually it's in the webbing between your fingers. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm going to remove the word surgery because there's really no surgery involved. Um, and then uh, speaking with Senator Raper, he made a uh, suggestion, and I like the suggestion, that says that um, an employee or an employer would have to make allowances for an employee who doesn't choose to take one of these. And where that situation might come in is, let's say you've got a small to medium-sized firm, you get 100, 100 employees, 95 employees decide that they're going to take the microchip, and so you've got four or five who don't. And now all of a sudden the company's having to make special allowances for those four or five. And you could easily get into a situation where the companies, you know, you need to get on board. You really need to do this and start to really coerce the employee. But it's an added level of protection just saying that the uh, employer has to make allowances for people who don't uh, don't take the technology. Yeah, for religious you know, reasons or whatever. Or for whatever, privacy reasons. You know, you, you make up your own reason why you do or you do not. Right. So essentially it's to create protection. And as I've told some other people, even if this bill doesn't get through, it's in starting a very important conversation that we as a society need to have. As we're getting closer to something called the singularity in, in, in technology, the singularity is the point of the merger between technology and humanity. My, uh, my listeners are very... Very up to date on, on that. that. Awesome. I talk about it a lot, right? And so, you know, we're, we need to start having those conversations now. Uh, obviously, I don't believe that what we're talking about here is mark of the beast. This is not mark of the beast no, by any no, means. No, 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 is it precursor technology? Probably, um, but like any technology, it can have its good aspects and it can have its negative aspects. Um, uh, you know, I could see a future, you know, if you were to get something like this, no longer do you have to worry about losing it. You don't have to worry about somebody stealing it from you. Um, you don't have to worry about, you know, grabbing your wallet every morning because all that information is, is with you all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, no one's going to steal your PIN number because you don't have a PIN number because it's in, you know, it's in the palm of your hand, so to speak. Um, you know, imagine a future where, you know, if I look into my crystal ball, 10, 20, you know, who knows how far in the future. Um but uh, imagine a situation where you're out shopping and you pass out, the paramedics show up, and then they swipe the microchip in your hand, and now all of a sudden they've got your medical history, they know what yep. you know, pills you're they taking. No, not to give you penicillin. Exactly, because you're you. allergic to right. it. Right. Um, Instead of wearing a necklace or a bracelet, it's going to be there implanted in you. In you. Or... Uh, you know, instead of having to get a you know your driver's license, a you know police officer pulls you over, swipes your hand. There is your identification, your driver's license, your insurance, all that information's right there. So the police officer you know knows what he has to. You know, is there outstanding warrants? He's got all that information right there. Again, to make that mandatory to get to that point. Though. Right, right. Yeah, we're a long ways from there, but yeah. I mean, I think all of us can foresee a future where things like that begin happening. Uh, you know, I remember 20 years ago, I, I was talking to one of the other radio shows this morning where, you know, 20 years ago, I remember a commercial from AT&T that talked about in the future, you'll be able to pick what movies you want to watch when you want to watch. 
And that was back, you know, when we were all going to Blockbusters checking out video cassettes, you know. <laughs> yep. And nowadays, I, I you know. We're pretty much there. We're, we're there, yeah. I mean, almost every one of us is probably going to stream something today. Uh, so as it stands right now in the state of Arkansas, as far as that goes, every other state in the country, there's no prohibitions, no regulations, no, no laws on this whatsoever. So a company could come in and force or, or try to coerce someone to take one of these. Make it, make it conditional. You make job. it conditional for the job. Now, I would suspect, my guess is, is that if you were to file a lawsuit against your employer saying, I don't want to take this, that someone would probably win that, maybe on a First Amendment ground. But do we really want to get to the point where we're asking people to choose either this or filing a lawsuit against their employer? Mm -hmm. Um, To me, it just seems like, why don't we get these protections in place before the cat's out of the bag? Before the lobbyists show up. Yes, exactly. It sounds like uh, you've got in in front of this some, Stephen. How did it go in committee? How how did the vote go down? Uh, so some of the committee members did have some questions about it, and um, I answered those. And uh, as far as I, there's like one no vote, I think, yeah, from the committee. Think, uh, Richard Womack was on the no vote. No, okay. Yeah. Well, that's that's kind yeah, of so. some pretty good. Uh, well, I think what the future holds. Yeah, for Bentley. You. It was actually kind of concerned about it. Mm-hmm. Representative Bentley was concerned about it. She wasn't actually in there when when the vote happened. I don't I don't know. She she walked out to a different committee to. To run some legislation, I'm not sure, but you know, maybe she didn't want to be there to maybe make so. a vote. I don't know. Right. Well, I, I think know. she, 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 she like a lot of others, were concerned, concerned that I was trying to grow and bring that technology to uh, the area and, and trying to it's push the technology. Already coming. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think you're probably right that it may very well be coming. I'm, I'm a little bit concerned. I would support probably the vast majority of the bill, but I'm a little bit concerned about forcing it on private businesses because I, I, I really think that that if you know if I have three employees. I don't have a corporation that's protecting me from accountability. If I want to make some stupid requirement for my employees, I should be able to do it. If it, if I want to make them, okay, we got to take a break. Then we'll come back and we'll continue our conversation here. There's, I want to talk about broadband today with the uh, the representative as well. You got the whole hour open? Sure. Okay, we're gonna ha- we're gonna keep you here. Cool. And pelt you with questions. Far away. Not with vegetables. <laughs> with Not yet. Questions. So, RD, tell me a little bit about uh, Sunny's Auto Salvage. How long have you been in the man in charge over there? Uh, I've owned it for twenty years. My wife and I have been owner of Sunny's Auto Salvage for twenty okay. years. You made you made the decision to to jump in and and do that. Uh, how has the way that you talk about Sunny's changed? I mean, you know, when you and I talk, we we talk about how much money you can save by using uh, you know a recycled auto part. Uh, but before, I'm I'm thinking that it probably was a little different than that. I mean, how how has it all changed for you? Well, technology has changed in all businesses, and we offer uh, extended warranties uh, now that we didn't used to offer one, two, and three years. And uh, we have technology services so we can give people insight on the installation instructions. So now if I do it yourself or buy something from us, uh, we have different things that we can attach to their invoice to proper repair uh, procedures. So uh, Mm -hmm. we're constantly uh, buying buying new computer software. Uh, We have VIN decode data now so we can decode uh, VIN numbers for American cars and uh, find out what's the specs are for your car off of your VIN number. So uh, uh, technology is, is changing, and uh, we're changing with the times. Let's get more specific. Uh, I know that 
Uh, one thing I wanted to talk to you about today when we came time to talk about Sonny's is how much money you can save. I mean, I put in a transmission in my car. I've had you all put a motor in my car, both of them together. So it was just a tad over $5,000. And I look at that, and that's a no-brainer to do it this way. That's right. I tell you, you have to carry full coverage insurance on that car that you go down and buy brand new, and you have to uh, uh, you have to make payments and pay interest on it. So yep. if you can buy a part to keep your car going and get a three-year warranty on it, to know that you don't have to carry full coverage insurance if you don't want to and you don't have car payments for the next three years, uh, it's, it's a way to save money and uh, be able to use your resources cars a new car is one of the worst investments you can make yeah by the time you've driven it off the showroom floor you've already lost about a third of its uh, you know worth yeah and the, at the cost of, of college education today and the cost of insurance and everything else uh, you know the the middle class working people like us we need options to be able to spend our money on our family instead of spending it on our automobile yeah, and last but not least, uh, you all have the mechanics to do all of this. Yeah, we've got the same people for the last 20 years uh, doing installation on all major mechanical parts. So motors, transmissions, and rear ends, and that way we can uh, we can be responsible for the labor and the part warranty. And we do offer a labor warranty, so if we put it in, then it'll be our responsibility to fix it also. I'm with you. All right. I use Sunny's Auto Salvage. I highly recommend that you use them as well. Save you a lot of money and keep your car running in tip-top shape. That's Sunny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. The phone number, 982-7451. That's 982-7451. All right. We continue here. Uh, at the Capitol, we're on the third floor, House side, and our guest is State Representative uh, Stephen Meeks. We're going to come back with him after the news, which is coming up here in about a minute, and uh, we're going to talk to him about broadband. That's a huge topic that people are talking about. So, um, you know, how do we make it affordable and in all the different things that happen? Uh, a quick sports note before we get to the news: the Kansas City Chiefs have fired their defensive coordinator, Bob Sutton, uh, after Sunday's 37-31 loss to the New England Patriots in the AFC Championship game. Said uh, Andy Reid, chief head coach, Bob is a good football coach and a great person. He played an integral part in the success of our team over the last six seasons. I've said before that change can be a good thing for both parties. All right, so we'll get to all of that here in a few moments. We're not going to talk about any more uh, sports. We'll come back with more politics when we return. Okay. All right, back. And uh, R.D., you just mentioned to me just before we came back that you had one more chip question. Yeah, I was going to ask Representative Meeks, has this technology that you're talking about, has it been used anywhere for uh, we were talking about earlier with Senator uh, Garner about sex offenders. Has it has this chip technology ever been used to track some uh, dangerous criminals? No, and it would be difficult to do that. Um, think about it as having a swipe card. And so it, it always works in close approximation to the reader. Oh, okay. So you're not going to implant this on somebody and then, you know, track them across the room, let alone... Oh, okay. you know, yeah, it's not a GPS yeah, tracker. Yeah, oh, okay. Tracker. okay. No, All right. no, so it doesn't... You, you have, thanks for clarifying Sure, that. sure. I mean, essentially all this technology is is... Um, 
in, inside that little grain of rice, there's a coil of wire, and then it's attached to a little RFID chip. And uh, you scan the chip over a magnetic field. That magnetic field generates a current in that coil that powers the chip, and then the chip sends out the data. It's probably it's like an account number or something. Mm-hmm. So the government can't use it to tell if you're speeding or not, no. or your wife no. you know where you've been lately, or anything because if you're like away that. from a magnetic field, it's not powered. Okay, right. so right. so I mean, you've got to be within you know an inch or two of the reader in order for it to work. So someone's not going to come up behind you and scan, you know, just in your vicinity and get I, it. I right. think some education on that mm-hmm. might take mm-hmm. some of the people's fear out of yeah. dealing with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no so GPS. And, okay. So I assume it's pretty similar to what, what they're putting on on the different products at Walmart that, that set the yeah. set the um, reader system off mm-hmm. when you walk through and maybe they haven't taken, they haven't, um, what do they call it? The little tags. Or yeah, yeah, they have yeah. little tags that they yeah. haven't um, yeah. they, 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 decommissioned yeah. them or, or right. the, deactivated the theft. them. Yeah. yeah, theft prevention stuff. Uh, um, but these are similar technology, but they're even smaller. So even less, even less, less powerful. Powerful, maybe. yes, yeah. So I mean, your hands got to be kind of like a swipe card. I have mm. trouble. You got to get within a couple inches or so. Yeah, yeah even closer. Even just for me to get into the building, the, the yeah. chamber here. Yeah, my swipe card. If it's in my wallet, it won't work. Oh, I mean, well, it's got to be up. right. You got to almost in contact. Mm. It's the same thing okay. with these things. Okay. Yeah, it looked kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Backing up into the door anyway. That's right. <laughs> Look like the bear against the tree, you know. <laughs> Scratching right. doing yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> the next guy he wouldn't want to touch the doorknob. I'm just saying. Right. All right, so let's talk about uh, broadband. It's something I've had Stephen on for I think twice, and mm-hmm. we were going to do another segment on it because it's really a huge deal sure. for the state. It's an important deal for the state, especially when it comes to education. Mm-hmm. So let me turn it over to you. You got some things planned for this session? Uh, some things that we are looking at, um, but I'm also, because of some technology, and I'll, we'll get into this in here in a minute, uh, I'm having some second thoughts, and I'll explain why. Okay, well, that's good. But uh, You're looking at new stuff. Yeah. Um, so here in the state, we've actually had some very good gains. Uh, Arkansas was the sixth uh, state in the nation to connect all of our schools to high-speed Internet. So actually, we're one of the leaders in the country as far as having access to all of our public schools. Part of the hope there was is that then those schools would then become sort of anchor tenants to help bring technology into uh, local schools. Mm-hmm. The uh, federal government also offered their uh, CAF-2, uh, CAF stands for Connect America Fund, um, and that was to spend you know billions and millions of dollars to try to help technology expand. Uh, we have several companies here in Arkansas that took advantage of it. Uh, I think the state, $150 million or so is what these companies are getting to invest in uh, growing broadband infrastructure here in the state, and that is happening. Okay. Um, and so one of the uh, bills that we had looked at last time and still considering it or maybe rehashing it this time was to set up a reverse auction. Um, we had looked at a bunch of different options. One of them included the state getting into broadband, something similar to what Kentucky had done. We pretty much decided that uh, we didn't want to go that route. Uh, we had uh, talked to several other states to see, okay, what programs do you have in place? And essentially, it comes down to a matter of money. I mean, there are certain places, you know, it's very expensive to dig through rock. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a lot cheaper to run a, a mile of fiber out in the Delta when you're running through sand versus digging through granite up in the Ozarks. Uh, and so 
there are certain areas of the state you just cannot make a business case to go into. Okay. Uh, it's not, so kind of like the electrification issue or telephone service of the past century. Um, there's just no – you're not going to go in there and make a profit with a business. So how can we make it possible for these businesses to go in to offer this service – when they're going to lose money on the service, essentially. And that's where we got to look at public-private partnerships, similar to things they've done in the past. The one that we kind of settled on that we really liked was to set up something called a reverse auction. The idea behind a reverse auction in a very basic form would be this. Let's say both Paul and RD run Internet service, and uh, Paul says, uh, you know, it's going to cost $100,000 for me to go into this neighborhood. I can get 100 customers. I can make a business case for maybe spending $60,000. So if I had $40,000, I could go in there and take Subsidy. care of it. Yeah. yeah. So an RD comes and says, similar situation, but uh, it's granted, it's much more expensive. Uh, it's going to take me $70,000 for me to go into that one area. Well, the reverse auction says we're going to give the money to Paul. Paul can get us the most bang for the buck. And what you hope would happen is that the low-hanging fruit, the easier, simpler, higher uh, value customer or whatever go fast. would go fast and you get them and then you could progressively get to the harder and, and tougher areas. Kind of the way uh, they did cell phone towers. Yeah, yeah, something similar. Uh, State of New York has done something like this and has seen some success with that. We tried it last sessions, uh, but for political reasons, which we don't have to get into, it didn't quite make it. Um, there is... It's beyond the scope of what we can discuss today, but there is a lot of moving pieces in telecommunications. There's a lot of players. There's a lot of regulations, and can they not? You eventually step on somebody's toes when you can they not use line of sight um, transmission in places where the rock is so right. cost prohibitive. So those are called WISP. Those are wireless internet service, and that's actually what I use for my home internet mm-hmm. is uh, a wireless internet provider. And yes, but it has to be line of sight. Mm-hmm. And so the problem that uh, we ran into, and I actually installed this service back before I got crazy and put my name on a ballot. Mm-hmm. Um, the The trouble you run into are it, the uh, that frequency of radio waves won't go through trees, mm-hmm. and it also will not go through hills and mountains. Okay. And wow, if you can't get through trees, you're in trouble in Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, if you stick one of these up out near Stuttgart, where you, it's flat and you can right, see right. for 20 miles, yeah, great. You can get everybody within 10 mile radius with one tower, mm-hmm. and so you can serve a lot of people for, you know. $50,000 to put up one of these towers. Right. Um, and the technology has improved since I was in that now they can, you can get gigabit speeds across these, these lengths. If you're up in the Ozarks and the hills and the trees, mm-hmm. and then it becomes a lot more problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I live in the Greenbrier area, and that service is offered there out in Bologna. Uh, mm-hmm. So it can be an alternative, but I also know there are places out in those areas where it just won't work yeah. because of those limitations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, there's one or two bills that are being talked about that haven't been filed yet. Representative um, Vaught is looking at one, and uh, uh, so we're going to maybe help her out with that. But at the same time, we're looking at maybe setting up these public-private partnerships. I'm also looking at there's an emerging technology coming out that uh, SpaceX and there's two or three other corporations that are looking at this around the world. And what this technology involves is putting up low-Earth orbiting satellites. Mm-hmm. So most people are familiar with the, the Hughes Nets and some of the other ones that offer um, 
satellite servers, but those satellites are 25,000 miles away from the Earth. So you're, This is Zuckerberg stuff. Yeah, yeah. So when you send your request, that signals 25,000 out, 25,000 back to the Earth, the receiving station, goes around the Earth, collects the data, comes back 25,000 out, 25. So it's at least 100,000 miles round trip for that signal. Mm-hmm. And at that point, speed of light, you're starting to look at large latency issues. Mm-hmm. With low Earth orbiting satellites, you can. It's only a hundred miles, two hundred, well, two hundred to five hundred miles mm-hmm. distance that you're talking about, and so because of that, that issue goes away. The downside is, is instead of having one satellite that sees the entire hemisphere of the planet, you have a string of them. You have to have a bunch of satellites uh, on the order of hundreds to thousands of them. But there are several companies that are developing that technology that have. Uh, uh, looking at getting licenses Mm -hmm. to put these satellites up and i think the one that the starlink i think is what spacex is calling theirs uh but they've they're looking at maybe four thousand satellites now they've already done a couple demonstrations with the technology seems to be heading in the right direction and so if this technology comes in place if you can see the sky suddenly you get broadband and all the concerns about you know fiber and tunneling through rock, right. it becomes obsolete. It becomes obsolete. So, right. so any any kind of a time frame on that? Uh, some of them are talking three, four years. So, Pretty is soon. it worth us spending potentially tens of millions of dollars to install this when in three to four years these services may be available? And now, all of a sudden, but the other one's out of business. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, so, I, so my question is, if you get a, a series of satellites. Mm-hmm. They're in low Earth orbit, mm-hmm. let's say. Do we have the same problem that you have with DirecTV? If you have a rainstorm, suddenly your Wi-Fi gets mousy? Potentially. Um, that's something that they'll have to look at. It'll be determined on the signal strengths that they're using. But the advantage is instead of being, like I said, 25,000 miles yeah. out, you're only 500 miles out. And because of that, you're multiple times closer, and so the signal doesn't have to be as strong. Okay. Um, so, I mean, But even if you're inconvenienced 10, 20 minutes during a thunderstorm going overhead, but you've got, you know... High-speed internet. High-speed internet from there. Yeah, everywhere think, on Earth. Yeah, then I think it's, you know... So that's, a, that's a nuisance most people, I think, would could tolerate so I assume having dial-up. assume this would also work with cell service. Uh, potentially, yeah. I'm the, working toward retirement to live in one of those places where it's not available. Uh, well, you may be out of luck by the <laughs> yeah. time you get there. Because, I mean, right, right now, so I, wanna, I went on a cruise a while back, and they have cell service available on ships now. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, and so yeah. it's expensive, mm-hmm. but it is yeah. available. Yep. Well, there's also the Iridium satellite. That's a constellation of satellites that are up there. You get a sat phone, and it works all over the globe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's expensive. But it's expensive. expensive. That's right. But yeah. so expensive reg- to use and expensive to buy. Right. Right. But regular cell phones were expensive too. a few years ago, yeah. too. And it's but, you now know, they're mainstream. Yeah. But if you get, uh, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of people signed up. Billi- the cost, billions. Yeah. Hey, I'm with Dave. I'm letting technology and private business solve the problem whenever it comes feasible. Yeah. Uh, too many it, times when government gets involved, like these windmills right. that I like to refer to, that... If it was feasible, if it was profitable, we would do it. the government wouldn't have to pay them to put them in. Well, that's exactly and, and, right. And in some cases, I wonder if maybe these government subsidies are actually making technology lag behind where it would have been 
if they hadn't been subsidizing the wrong things. Right. Because, right. you know, there, there are some ideas out there that aren't getting government subsidi- right. subsidies that might actually be a lot better than some of the ones that are getting subsidized, sure. and therefore they don't get tried. Right, right. You know, and that's one of the cha- challenges, not only with technology, but also that our generation faces, because a lot of this technology that we are, whether it's the microchips, whether it's, you know, all the screen time that kindergartners get, mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, you know, we're... The generation works essentially we're experimenting on ourselves, and it's changing our culture, how we interact with each other, uh, health issues, and the decisions that we make are going to set precedent mm-hmm. for those future generations. And unfortunately, a lot of those things we don't have answers for. Right. Some of them, it won't be good. No, nope, that's true. Right. And, well, it, we'll stumble it, before. It yeah. Well, and the thing is that, that you know we're going to make those decisions anyway. Mm-hmm. Precedent's going to happen, but it's less bad when government didn't do it. I think mm-hmm. I think it's it's worse when the government forces things on us sure. or subsidizes certain well, it's things. Costly. Well, there's that, and <laughs> and, and, the, and the efficiencies gained because you no, know, there's I'm interested in technology personally. Right. I spend my money on technology. Right. And and even developing some mm-hmm. of my own, and but I'm judicious with it. Right? I right. try to be. Right. And so sometimes I may waste some of my resources, but I'm I try to be somewhat careful with it. Right. Whereas when government does it, are they as careful? Well, it, it, it depends. Um, uh, or are I, they too careful? I, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, if you look at the situation w- between NASA and SpaceX uh, mm-hmm. or Blue Origin, you know, Jeff Bezos, uh, Amazon's version of it, I think when government is looking at the base research fundamental research mm-hmm. there's no commercial reason to invest in that uh, and a lot of us are enjoying a lot of benefits from the government making those investments mm-hmm. weather satellite technology uh, weather radar there's not really a whole lot of commercial applications for that stuff yeah. I mean there's some but, there's but some. not a whole lot not, not enough to make it you know XYZ company is not going to form and go out and put a rail radar and sell. So, I mean, I think there are proper places for it. But at the same time, if you look at the situation between NASA and SpaceX, NASA's been trying to develop a uh, launcher to get us back to the moon. Mm-hmm. And SpaceX and some of these other private companies are doing the same. And if you were a betting man, which one do you think is going to get to the moon first? Is it going to be NASA or is it going to be SpaceX? Well, from a, from a financially economic standpoint, the... Um the private organization is going to do it uh, a lot more mm-hmm. economically. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but I think before maybe safer too. Before yeah. they go back to the moon, they're going to they're going to be able to do you know travel uh, in low orbit and stuff right. first, right? Because that's where the money's at, right? Yep. But government paved the way for that, you know, with the Apollo missions and all that yep. to to establish. Okay, how do we do this? How do we do it safely? They did that research, and now these guys piggyback on it, and and that's where the government yeah. screwed up because the, we did all of that work uh, for Apollo and stuff like Velcro and mm-hmm. everything else. We came yeah. out of it. And we gave that technology away instead mm-hmm. of charging for people to mm-hmm. use that technology. The government could have made a ton of money off of that. Yeah, and we'll, but yeah, then we'll again, you paid for that research, though, as a taxpayer to have the right. research. So, to, to, yeah, at so, some level, yeah. I think yeah. uh, taxpayers are kind of entitled to use it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, not China. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, not well, China. And if you look at NASA, <laughs> NASA's, you know, they do studies yeah. on this. Yep. If you look at those spinoffs, uh, for every dollar we invest in that, we get about $7 back in uh, return to the economy from spinoffs and you know technology and so on. So, in the right place, I think it's good, but we have to figure out what those right places are. Yeah. All right. So when we come back, let's finish up our discussion with uh, 
You know, Stephen Meeks, state representative, his fifth term. He's probably a pretty good argument about term limits and why you may not want to have them. But we'll come back and talk further with him when we continue the Dave Ellswick show. All right, back with you. Uh, you know, technology is, is a good thing. I don't have any problem with it. you got to think through it. The problem is some people think through it and they they meet, they miss things. Mm-hmm. Let me give you a good example. Uh, article I read today uh, over in Norway, mm-hmm. uh, they have assisted suicide now. Right. Did you see the uh-huh. story? They, they said the, the number of deaths uh, by assisted suicide now makes up 25% of all deaths in the oh, country. Wow. Think about that. Unbelievable. That, tell you uh, that is in two years. Yep. Mm-hmm. Two years. That, that is scary. And I tell you, when you look at it, uh, government get involved thinking, hey, look how much money we would save on uh, on senior care and all that if stuff. Can, if you can actually do have, make some policies that might just kind of increase the number of suicides a little bit. That is, it's, uh, it's scary. Okay. Well, I mean, along those lines, one of the companion bills I'm looking at is, uh, you know, with a lot of employers, you can get a discount on your health insurance if you do a screening and, you know, you're not using tobacco and so on. And I've read a story that... Uh, one company is saying, you know, if, if their employees will wear the Fitbits or other health trackers and give yep. the company access to that, yep. that the company will give them a discount based upon... I've got that. Okay, yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm fine with that as long as it's voluntary. Mm-hmm. And so what this companion bill would look at is to make sure it stays voluntary. Mm-hmm. That, a, that, a, that just like these implants... Mm-hmm. They don't stay at the company. When you leave and go home at night, these things are coming with right, you. Right. Same, same thing with these. Uh, the Fitbit. With whatever. the Fitbit right. or whatever. Is you as an employee on your time shouldn't be required to wear a Fitbit mm-hmm. to. But is it unreasonable for uh, an employer that maybe wants really high standards of his employees that. Say you know what? How about lower rates on health insurance? Right. Yeah. Lower rates on health insurance, <laughs> yeah. or, or maybe they just don't want their employees being a public embarrassment or something mm-hmm. like that. Some of that nature. And so you know, we want you to wear this thing all the time. I'd be okay with with legislators wearing something of that nature all the time, so we can monitor their behavior. Mm-hmm. Know if they're drinking alcohol in between sessions. Know know what they're doing, who they're with, mm-hmm. and is it so unreasonable for actual private? companies, private businesses, or, or even government entities when they're talking about government employees that may be getting themselves in trouble mm-hmm. off the clock and then coming on the clock and setting up hurting people. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But, I, I, but where do you draw that line? I mean, where, where is your personal privacy? And I agree. It's an important yeah. thing. But for in the private, in the private sector, I think the, the, the line is drawn by I just ain't going to work for you, right? And I think that's a, that's a good line to draw. It when we're dealing with with public sector, then then that's a public policy issue that that we can decide. And maybe maybe we decide that you know some some um, public sector jobs are ones that we really want a lot of monitoring because sure. because they've got so much responsibility. Right. Well, yeah, maybe if they're working for the NSA or FBI, or, maybe we, uh, we want maybe we yeah. want GPS, GPS trackers on them all the time and, and know exactly what they're doing, what they're saying, who they're talking to, and 
everything. Yep. Yeah. That's for another show. Oh, another show, another discussion. Another show, another discussion. And this is the man to talk to with those discussions. Sounds good. We'll have yeah. him back on to talk about it. And, of course, we want to thank you, State Representative Stephen Meeks, and bring us up to date. What's the numbers on the bills we're looking at here, the the one on uh, chips? The, the the main one on the microchip that we've been talking about is House Bill 1177. Okay. And, uh, like I said, made it past committee today, so probably Thursday is when it will be on the House floor. And, uh, again, if the they're Senate just joining us, the, the purpose of the bill is to protect employees from being forced to take microchips. Sounds good. We appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Let's get a break in. We've got the 4 o'clock hour coming. It's an open topic time. We'll be talking amongst ourselves here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, last hour for the power panel here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Next hour, of course, Bible Guys. I understand Scott will not be with us from Agape Church, but Steve will be here. I'm wondering if Billy is coming. I'll, uh, I'll check into that and see if he is or he is not. So we'll check into that. Uh, some big stories that are out there. we got to talk about this. And just these people in the media now that do not take uh, this Ocasio-Cortez, uh, take her and just whip her simpl- senseless uh, on television with just decent questions amaze me. I mean, amazes me. Let me let me just read one from today. This is what she said. Quote, I don't think that necessarily means that all billionaires are immoral. No, it's immoral how America's economic system allows billionaires to exist. Uh, she was asked uh, in an interview... Uh, quote, I hate to personalize this, but do you think it is immoral for individuals to, for instance, do we live in a moral world that allows for billionaires? Is that a moral outcome and uh, end of itself? And Ocasio-Cortez, no, it's not. It's not. Cheers and applause. It's not, and I think it is important. See, I told you about all these yeah. pop-ups now. <laughs> It's not, and I think it is important to say that. I don't think that uh, necessarily means that all billionaires are immoral. It's not to say that someone like Bill Gates, for example, or Warren Buffett are immoral people. I do not believe that. Yeah, it's not, it's not like he kicks his dog, says the interviewer. Cortez. <laughs> but he should be rich. Yeah, I don't, uh, I, I'm not saying that, but I do think a system that allows billionaires to exist when there are parts of Alabama where people are still getting ringworm because they don't have access to public health is wrong. Applause. Uh, and I think it's wrong that I think that it's wrong that a vast majority of the country does not make a living great wage. I think it's wrong that you can work 100 hours and not feed your kids. Where can you work 100 hours and not be able to feed your kids? I don't know that one. What planet did she come from? I have no idea. I think it's wrong that corporations like Walmart and Amazon can get paid. They can get paid by the government, essentially, experience a wealth transfer from the public for paying people less than a minimum wage. Her words, not mine. Now, let me go to another story that scares the living bejeebies out of me. This is from Axios. Um... 
The biggest political story since the election of Donald Trump is the sudden, stark, sustained rise of the political artists, artists now, not political candidates or politicians, political artists known as uh, AOC and Beto. The big picture, Representative uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and former Representative Beto O'Rourke are political and cultural phenomena, one known by her initials, one by his first name, like Drake or JFK or RG3. Both arose from nowhere seven months ago during the midterms and today are everywhere. Both are hot. Uh, they're hotter than establishment Democrats, for sure, on social platforms and among staffer wannabes, the press, donors, and activists. A new Axios survey monkey, that's a polling group, finds that 74% of Democrats and people who lean Democrat would consider voting for Cortez if she were old enough to run for president. Now, she's only 29. You have to be at least 35. That includes the 17% who would definitely vote for her. Uh, John Cohen said, SurveyMonkey's chief research officer, quote, These data show the phenomena is real. She tops Senator Schumer in favorability. Well, that's that's fish in a barrel. Why wouldn't she be more, you know, likable than Schumer? He's, you know, the crypt keeper um, among Democrats and overall nearly rival Speaker Pelosi. Both of them continue to break through news cycles clogged by Mueller and the shutdown. Uh, Cortez described Bloomberg Businessweek as the darling of the left, nightmare of the right, is driving an actual policy debate on taxes, Medicare, and free tuition. And it's all a fantasy. That's what's incredible about this, that people are so stupid about economics. And you've got to be stupid with economics to fall for that argument that we can give Medicare for all, that we uh, can raise taxes to 70% to pay for it, and that... uh, you know, uh, you can give free tuition to go to college and that the people can afford all of this to make it happen as though there really is such a thing as a money tree. Well, one of the problems I, in Zuela. Yeah, no, I well, mean. One of the problems is so, so when we have pricing instead of free stuff, if we have free stuff, we don't know when to say, well, I have enough. But when I have pricing, you know, it makes me choose between a filet mignon at a restaurant versus a hamburger. And, and and pricing helps me to determine because there's there's scarcity. And if I can just have anything I want, then you know what? I, even with medical care, you know, every time I have a little itch or a scratch or a, or a little tinge of pain, I just go and get it, get it fixed. I don't care how much it costs. Somebody else is paying for it. I need pricing to help me keep from misallocating resources. When we don't have pricing in the medical industry, we will waste hordes and tons and tons of money doing stuff that is useless or maybe harmful to us even. Well, the motivation to get to make a profit and the motivation uh, uh, to beat your competition motivates people to do all kinds of technology. Sure. I mean, 
Everybody comes to the United States of America for every kind of medical treatment that you can think of that they can't get anywhere else because the technology is made through the free market system. People try to work to do something. Well, look, if you take, just like small business people like me, if you take all the incentives out of people uh, building a company or employing people, if you take the incentive away and say we're going to tax you seventy percent of your income, yeah, let's let's socialize the so, workforce and instead of we're, instead of a a, a a big business hiring a, a really smart CEO that has awesome leadership skills, we're just going to have the government run all this stuff and they'll just hire a leader and pay him minimum wage like they pay everybody else and and expect things to work smoothly. That's dumb. Boy, I tell you what, it, it's scary that that even organizations like we were talking about the the Democratic Socialist, the DSA Association uh, exist, and this lady, like you said, is getting all this, getting all this TV time and, and getting all this. Four percent of those who are Democrats or lean Democratic, if she was of age, could vote for her for president. That would be voting for think everything for free. Yeah, the, yeah, the I mean, free country could think be gone. About that. We could lose all our free freedom. A- absolutely. Uh, near a tandem for the same article, president of the Progressive Center for American Pro- uh, Progress says, quote, both of them understand that people are tired of traditional politics and looking for authenticity. So if you say something, no matter how stupid it is, but you believe it and can say it with real belief in your own in your own voice, people will follow you. Do you realize how scary that is for our country that people feel that way? So the yeah, whenever you start doing things like that, the truth is irrelevant. It's what you can convince people of. The bigger lie you tell, the more likely people... That sounds people, like Goebbels, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, the, the bigger lie you that tell. That sounds like Nazis. So, 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 you know, you could just say this. Like I said, you know, you could take all the money that these billionaires make, and we could level it out across everybody, and we could raise Make everybody taxes. poor. Yeah, we could raise our taxes. Nobody, mm-hmm. everybody could be equal, and, and then... There wouldn't be any poor people, and everybody would have free health care. Crazy. This is a a very good uh, example of the emperor has no clothes. Sure. Sure. Because all you have to do is spend a little time looking and thinking about it, and you see how ridiculous it is. But, oh, but they really believe this. They... They really, you know, of course, it might happen. Well, in so many well, cases, Santa you, Claus might show up on the Fourth of July too. Yeah, with a brand new suit. Yeah, sort of like the emperor did. Yeah, run around naked. But the the at the end of the day, you know, twenty years ago, if if you were a socialist, you could only say it behind closed doors. In closets somewhere. Lean installed. You, you might be able to. I mean, on college campuses, the professors might say it, but they, they might kind of keep it quiet. You know, they might be somewhat vocal on the campuses themselves. But out in mainstream politics, you had to be on the left coast somewhere or just in the, in the real hardcore left wing areas to get by with it. How, how far away, away from Republicans actually accepting? You know what? I, I, I'm willing to. 
actually coming out and saying they're a conservative socialist. When are, how far are we away from that? I mean, there are a lot of a lot of them that are conservative socialists, but how many? How far are we away from them actually claiming it? Well, I I don't know, but when you look at a state where we are cutting millions and millions of dollars off of people's in-home care of the elderly and the disabled and we're spending millions and millions of dollars for people that are young and don't have anything wrong with them to get free health care and, and you know and, uh i think that that is a socialist program of course it's a socialist program but both of them are the the, the, the fact is public school is a socialist program when are we going to actually pull our heads out of the sand and recognize that that this is socialism. This is a serious problem. These are, we're, we're promoting giant welfare programs for people who aren't sick, well, for people not, who aren't poor. Let me let's let's call this for what it is. All right, because this is a ma- if you follow this lady, just listen to me. If you follow this lady, this is a giant step towards totalitarianism. You're you're moving towards giving your rights up to the government completely because that's what socialism will happen your freedoms are going to go down the toilet they're swirling in the bowl right now that we even have that i've got to sit here on my show and try to convince some of you ignorant people that this woman is a danger to our country And I don't mind calling you ignorant because you can't believe this stuff. It's never worked. It will never work. Man is a fallen creature. There are some people that want to be at the top of the heap, and that's what socialism is all about. It's about the small group that's the elite and the rest of us who live in abject, well, might not be complete poverty, but you won't be happy yet. And the thing is, right, and you'll be eating your dog. Right, right now we we we've got the ability to print money. We've got the the master currency, the gold standard currency of the world. We can afford socialism for a while, but how much longer is that going to last? Two weeks? Ten years? Well, I don't know. Socialism is growing. Basically, what we're doing, socialism is growing on a daily basis monthly basis is growing here at the at the state capitol it's growing on the national level and at some point our overhead is just like a business at some point our overhead is more the work than the working people can carry and it's not until we see that the government is not the solution to our problems and and, and, it's going to continue to grow and for those of you who know the reference to to um, atlas shrugged how how many of us are just going to shrug and say you know i don't want to fool with it I'm just going to take my toys and go I'm home. Going off the grid. Yeah. I mean, how how much longer? The problem is they come and get you when you're off the grid. Well, they might. Yeah. Well, I, uh, hey, come on. <laughs> I'm just saying. All right, but, but, but we may, I talked we may about have another this today with somebody. We and may they have another like Alamo. Was nuts. Yeah, we make you think of the Alamo. Yeah, it all does. Make you think of Alamo all over. But but all over but. Again. How much longer? If, so you get these people. It's immoral for someone to make tons and tons of money. Okay, so you've got people that, that maybe would retire, but because they're so productive and their leadership skills are so valuable, you can actually convince them to go back to work by paying them lots and lots of money, and it makes everybody richer. No, but they don't want to pay anybody money. Uh, here's, here's what happens, all right? Or they don't want you to go back to work and make money because that's immoral. Hmm. You shouldn't be a billionaire if, if you come up with an idea that makes a lot of money. You, you, I guess you're supposed to give it all away under 
the auspices of socialism. Um, these people are this this theory, this political ideology, is dangerous. I'm going to tell you what this is. As this, this they say, it's a generational divide. She says this. She says that. For some reason, the GOP seems to think that it's a gaffe about how hard I push on climate change. But it's actually a generational difference. Young people understand that climate change is an existential threat. Remember, 3,000 Americans died in Hurricane Maria. The U.N. says we've got 12 years left to fix it. To the end of the world. We've got 12 years to the end. Now she's a prophet. All right, now the sky she, has fallen. She sits up on, she's going to be on a mountain in Sparta or Greece someplace, and you'll go up and, and do a psychedelic drug with her so you can see the, the future or whatever. We had a, another generational uh, schasm, or chasm like this. We had young people who said, free love. And uh, no-fault divorce and all of those things uh, were a way to liberate our people. That's what they said. So what do we got? Liberate them from their senses? Yeah, we've got, um, you know, we've got now uh, diseases, sexual diseases that, for the most part, uh, have devastated our country, killed hundreds of thousands of people can't be cured once you're infected you got it for the rest of your life unless we figure out some way of giving you a pill that will continue your life you got that destroyed the american family that uh, devastated the the underpinnings of what made our country great yeah the baby boomer generation really screwed all that up and i think any of them that would really talk about it would agree that we really screwed it up so now we've got another generation that thinks they got the answers to everything, and they don't know squat. And the reason being is they haven't even been taught the basics of uh, logical thinking. It's all about feeling good. Well, I mean, well, what, do you actually expect them to learn logical thinking? I mean, if they were thinking logically, th- th- you couldn't brainwash them with this stuff so this, easily. This country was built on exceptionalism, people doing some exceptional thing. I mean, if you go back to the DuPonts and the people that built the railroads and the people... Or even just the that, sidebusters. ...that did all the great things, this country was built on people doing things that they should not have been able to do. But they had determination, they had hard work, they worked for their families, and they worked for their communities. And uh, so we are telling people, you don't need to be exceptional. Exceptional. You don't need to take all the talents that God gave you and work like you're working for him and do the best you can to improve yourself and, and those that are less fortunate than you are. So uh, if you take that away, the exceptionalism and working to use all your talent and, and being as productive as you can be to make your life better and to be able to help people that are less fortunate, if you take that out of America, then you, you all you have is another socialist country that's going to be full of poverty and, and going to be full of fascism, and uh, it'll, be, it'll be really ugly. All right. Got to get a break in. We're live at the Capitol, third floor, house side. If you happen to be around, stop by, say hello. Paul Calvert's here. Artie Hopper's here. I'm Dave Ellswick. We're back after these on 101.1 FM, The Answer.
All right. Unbelievable, guys. I just came across a couple of pieces that I think that we absolutely uh, must talk about. In New York, the womb will become an even less safe place for unborn babies in New York at the end of today. Democrat legislators are set to legalize abortion up to birth and remove the fatal procedure from the state's criminal code altogether with the passing of the uh, euphemistically named Reproductive Health Act. Hmm. The proposed legislation erases the current limitation on abortion in the state, which is set at 24 weeks. The Reproductive Health Act states, quote, every individual who becomes pregnant, and I notice they say every individual to make sure that any man who de- <laughs> thinks that he's a woman <laughs> and somehow grows a womb, uh, well, yeah, you can't hurt their feelings, mm-hmm. uh, who becomes pregnant has the fundamental right to choose to carry the uh, pregnancy to term to give birth to a child or to have an abortion. So long as a licensed practitioner acts in good faith, a baby can be murdered in the womb. It doesn't say that in the bill. That's my words. Uh, up to birth in order to protect the patient's life or health. Notably, the meaning of the word health is not defined within the legislation. A health care provider, licensed, certified, or authorized under Title Eight of the education law, acting within his or her lawful scope of practice, may perform an abortion when, according to the practitioner's reasonable and good faith and professional judgment based on the facts of the patient's case. The patient is within 24 weeks from the commencement of pregnancy or there is an absence of fetal viability or the abortion is necessary to protect the patient's life or death. The bill is set to be passed today to commemorate the 46th anniversary of Roe v. Wade. Bottom line. Bottom line. A chi- let's say, I wonder if they would say, hey, if the woman was in labor and just within moments she's going to give birth. And when that child comes out the, uh, you know, the birth canal, uh, it's going to be born and it's given all the protections of a human being. But right up until that moment, you can kill that child. Now, for folks, I'm just going to tell you, as far as I'm concerned, anyone who casts a pro-vote for this is no different than a mass murderer. I mean, how, how is it different in principle? How can you say that is not murder? I mean, we, we talk about Hitler killing millions. What have we done here in this country? Or what, what are we doing here in this country? Killing millions. It's the most innocent life form that you can kill. Right, right. You might be able to make the argument that a lot of adults that are that are murdered throughout the world, they're bad in some way. But you really can't make that argument with unborn might children. Might have been killed in a drug deal or might have doing something that they shouldn't have been doing. But also, that baby has not done anything. Now listen to this now. The bill also removes abortion from the definition of homicide. Do you guys remember the Peterson case? About oh, over a decade ago, where he killed his wife, he and, killed his wife child, and he killed his child, and they said that uh, they got him for double murder. Right. The bill removes abortion from the definition of homicide. 
and from the penal code entirely. Opponents say this limits prosecutors when they look to charge individuals who harm a woman's unborn child in a domestic violence case or otherwise. Supporters say in such cases there remain plenty of other much harsher criminal charges and the prosecutor's disposal, but they couldn't go after the person who, let's say, beat the woman and the child died. They can't go after murder. Well, they have ulterior motives. Whenever you see a bill like this, they're changing definitions and and changing law like that. They have ulterior motives. I like it how they dress it up in something like this is a law to protect uh, the mother of the child. Her reproductive rights. Exactly. I think the reproduction has already taken place. Let me read one more thing. The more I read this, the angrier I I become. Quote, this is only the beginning of the protections that we will have for our women, for our environment. I don't get that. For our environment? Killing children, unborn children is for your environment? Uh, criminal justice reform, education, the list goes on. Uh, State Senator Andre Stewart-Cousins, Democrat from Yonkers, told the Democrat and Chronicle, quote, but in January the state the anniversary roe v wade we will make our statement we will make our mark these people have disgusting blood on their hands that's all i can say about this there's no there's no covering this up no way of saying it these people are flat out murderers the democratic party has lost their mind they have lost their mind. They have gone over the edge. I mean, where, where else do we go from here? I mean, we, we've got people that think it's okay to kill their children. They say that since New York Republicans lost control of the Senate in November, the bill is expected to pass with Democrat support. Governor Cuomo, a Catholic, expected to sign the legislation. Quote, as many of you know, the governor is pushing again for abortion through birth and even after with so-called Reproductive Health Act. Now he has an anti-life Democrat-led Senate to help him get it through, said the New York State Right to Life uh, Facebook page. un believable It's just some... This, 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 what in the hell has happened to our country? What has happened to our country? The Bible is no longer the source of authority of right and wrong. As long as God's word is not your source of authority of right and wrong, you have no map to go by. We come to worship ourselves. That's exactly right. We're we're, we're a mess. I'm I'm, yeah. I I I I read this and I thank God I live in Arkansas. And Arkansas is a, a piece of work too. Even the abortion laws in Arkansas are messed up. Yeah, but they're at doing least, the best they can. We're, we're trying. It, at least it, we're trying to go the other way. Go the other way. We're not. Yeah. We just granting wholesale murder of the, the womb in New York now is a, a is dangerous place. The to most live. dangerous place to live in New York State. I mean, we, at least, at least t- today there was a bill filed to actually outlaw abortion here yeah. in Arkansas. Yeah. If if the uh, Supreme Court would overturn it, and, and, and that's I do a possibility ha- right now. And I do say that our Attorney General and our 
governor did join a group of states that said that they would not use any provider that offered abortions in their in their uh, medi- uh, Medicare, or I mean Medicaid program. So, but that w- went all the way to the Supreme Court. You know, this and goes, we 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 could lose it, but uh, this goes back but, to the the whole thing of you know Hillary Clinton during the presidential campaign. She, she basically said that she believed in abortion till birth. Now now they've got it in New York. Uh, in the state of, of, of New York, it's uh, this is just a, a, a tragic, tragic um, um, law that's going to go into effect. It's it's so sad. It really, really is. It's sad. All right. Today, the U.S. Supreme Court granted a writ of what is it called? Uh, Certiorari or whatever. Certiorari, I can't remember exactly. And this is in the case of New York State Rifle and Pistol Association, Inc., uh, versus the city of New York, New York. The case represents the first Second Amendment issue the justices will hear since the landmark 2010 case of the city of Chicago versus McDonald's. It's been almost 20 years uh, since seriously, uh, since has it been that long? Been, wow. uh, well, it's been it's been what? Uh, it's almost ten years, almost no. a decade, because uh, this is nineteen, so it's been nine years. Still a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, which extended the establishment of the Second Amendment as securing an individual right from the federal government to the state governments. The legal question presented here is whether New York City's ban on transporting a licensed, locked, and unloaded handgun to a home or shooting range outside city limits is consistent with the Second Amendment, the Commerce Clause, and the constitutional right to travel. We'll come back. We'll talk about that. That's insane. We're here in the state capitol. We're on the House side. Artie uh, Hooper is here is along with uh, Paul Calvert, and I think... I caught them both off guard with that last story. I mean, I got caught off during the break and happened to read it and just blew my mind when I saw it. It's the Dave Ellswick Show here at 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, back with you and uh, Paul Calvert, uh, R.D. Hopper, their last segment with me today. In the next segment, uh, in the 5 o'clock hour, we'll have the Bible guys here. I know that Steve Hess is coming I don't know who's coming with him, but we've got, because uh, Scott can't be here today. And uh, so uh, we're just going to have to play it by ear as far as that's concerned. But we will have Find either Bible guys or a Bible guy. Yeah. I can just talk about that New York bill. <laughs> that says a lot about the spiritual state uh, of, of the state of New York. Mm-hmm. Not much of a spiritual state at all there. Can we? Can you had take, something you wanted right. to say. Right. So, so, you know. New York's pretty bad, but you know, Arkansas is pretty bad too. The, the current state of abortion law in Arkansas, in relation to other laws, is it's kind of frightening almost. We've got a law right now in Arkansas that you can rip the arms and legs off of, an, of a live child in the in the womb at what twelve or fourteen weeks of age. If you did the exact same thing, uh, twelve or fourteen weeks after conception is what we're talking about. Mm. If you do the exact same thing to a dog, 12 or 14 weeks after conception, there's a good chance you go to prison for it. Well, and with, with a felony animal forget, abuse don't charge. For, don't forget this, though, that 
There's a lot of people trying to stop that, not rushing headlong to expand that. We, oh, we, right, yeah. We, we're we've, working, got, we've got people here in Arkansas that are, that are trying to, to save children. Yeah, and, and a lot of them. A lot mm-hmm, of people right. are. And, and the, the where we're at in Arkansas is light years away from the horror that happened today in New York State. Yeah, in New York, you know, some of the some of the on both coasts, unfortunately, their 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 savagery is is it's because it, for the Democrats, abortion is the holy sacrament. It's one of their it's one of their religious symbols, almost, yeah, if it, you will. Well, I won't say almost; it is kind of a their base. Their base demand. Their base dem- demands it. And, you know, how, whenever how? you think about, is a baby still a baby when it's inside the the mother? You know. I always, I always think back to, to Luke. It says when Elizabeth heard Mary's voice, felt the, the, the baby in her womb leap. Yeah, that's exactly right. So that baby was a baby. That baby was pra- was, a person. was praising God. That's exactly that amazing? right. That's an, that's an amazing scripture. It really, really yeah. is when you think about it. And to think that they're killing children that is in the same uh condition or the same age that john was in his mother's in elizabeth's womb yeah it's it's scary here's the other thing uh, rg and and paul that just blows my mind is it used to be when you argued about abortion it was typically well for the the the, the health or the the life of the mother that right, was exactly. where it, it's not that way anymore i mean we've got a comedian that came out female comedian came out and said she was glad she had an abortion. She was liberated by having an, an abortion and then turns around and now we've got and says, you know, go on uh, Facebook and celebrate. Shout out that I've had an abortion. And tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of women who've had abortions are celebrating that they had an abortion. They killed their kids. kids. Yeah, that's what they're celebrating. I killed life. What would we think of somebody well, if parents that parents would have done that? What would we think of somebody that that that, that celebrated the fact that they drowned a bunch of puppies? What would we think about those? You know, that kind of people get arrested for that for one thing, perhaps. But but what would what would something like that? How would that go over? If if somebody suggested we should celebrate. The fact that we killed a bunch of puppies. Yeah, it's just, and I, I was telling the guys during the break, and you, know, you couldn't hear me on the ear, of course, because the microphones were down. But I've got a heavy heart right now, if you know what I'm saying. I mean, many of you know, I think, what how I'm referring. This is a spiritual war and battle that sure. we're doing in this country a- with this, this thing, and, and with the abortion. And this... This hurts my spirit when I see this kind of stuff happen. It really does. It just hurts my spirit. It's terrible. And when you pair that with uh, Senator Cortez, with wanting oh to turn the economy over, and our all of our health care, and the economy, and our businesses. And kill capitalism and let the government make all the choices, then it it takes you farther down that road. All right. So anyway, I didn't get we didn't get to talk uh, much about this uh, case that's going to go up in front of the Supreme Court. Uh, But this case, it's going to be 
The request for review of this came from the New York State Pistol and Rifle Association and a group of gun owners who live in the city. They were challenging the city's ban on transferring even licensed unloaded guns anywhere outside the city limits, including to a weekend home or a shooting range for target practices, restrictions they describe as uh, draconian. After the lower courts rejected their challenge and upheld the restrictions, uh, the New York State PRA uh, and gun owners went to the Supreme Court. Uh, The Supreme Court has indeed repeatedly declined to weigh in on Second Amendment issues following the landmark McDonald decision nine years later in New York State Rifle versus Pistol Association. The justices now have a chance to begin to shift the tide back toward a vigorous enforcement of the Second Amendment securing of an individual right that the justices previously promulgated in Heller and uh, McDonald. I mean, uh, Justice uh, Thomas has been going crazy about this. So let me just read a, a quote from him. If a lower court treated another right so cavalier, uh, cavalierly, uh, I have little doubt that this court would intervene. But as evidenced by our continued inaction in this area, the Second Amendment is a disfavored right in this court. As I have previously explained, the lower courts are resisting this court's decision in uh, District of Columbia versus Heller and McDonald and are failing to protect the Second Amendment to the same extent that they protect other constitutional rights. And it's getting that way with the First Amendment as well. Nearly eight years ago in McDonald, uh, this court declared that the Second Amendment is not a second-class right subject to an entirely different body of rules than the other Bill of Rights guarantees. By refusing to review decisions like the one below, we under, undermine that declaration. And that's what uh, Justice Thomas has been saying about when they wouldn't take these uh, different cases and uh, and hear them. Well, they're going to hear another one. Get ready for another Second we'll Amendment. See where it goes. Uh, but this is this is when this seems like it's a slam dunk case because you're talking about you can't even can't even transport your own firearms unloaded. Hey, that, that's insane. These people need to be pushed off in the ocean. Can, can we can we just can we just kick them out of the union for crying out loud? Why is this state still allowed to to be a state in the union of the United States? Hey, you just get a couple more Supreme Court justices from the Democratic Party and see what happens. We need to impeach some ju- ju- judges. I mean, seriously, why are these judges allowed to stay on the bench anywhere when they can trash the, the Constitution like this? Not to mention the legislators or the or the governors that are doing this stuff. All right, guys. Thanks for coming. I appreciate you. Yes, sir. I've got a, a, a Judeo-Christian pastor that's going to join us. He looks like he just came across the border from Russia into Israel. Uh, we'll see him in just a second. I see Steve Hess is ready to go for the Bible guys. We'll be talking to everybody in a few moments here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, we're back at the uh, house. Uh, my thanks, Artie Hopper, and, of course, uh, Paul Calvert for joining me today. Uh, part of the Power Panel, Jan Morgan, hopefully will be with us uh, next Wednesday. 
and uh, we'll get a chance to get her into the discussion. A lot of interesting discussions today. Bible guys, typically on uh, the 5 o'clock hour today, just the Bible guy. Every once in a while this happens, Scott or Steve have something uh, other that they have to do, and uh, so there'll just be one person here, and, and Billy... Uh, couldn't be here today, so it's just uh, Steve Hess sitting across from me today. And uh, Steve, you you heard me talking in the last hour. You were driving in, and you you heard me talking about this thing in New York New York State, not New York City, New York State, where they have voted and have passed a law that makes abortion legal up until birth in the state now, mm-hmm. and I'm just. Deep in my my spirit, I felt like I had been wounded. Yeah, I mean, I'm being honest, folks. Yeah. I'm being honest with you. That it hurt inside me to have to say that there are people within our country that are elected officials that have said that up until the moment that a, that a person passes through the the birth canal is not a person. Yeah. Um. We, we have become completely desensitized to death, to murder, and we don't call it that. We call it a choice. Mm-hmm. This is one of the things that I wish the people on the right would take back the argument and would take back the, the narrative with words because we talk about uh, women's health, and that's not what it's about. No. If I was in a political office and I was in a debate with a, a leftist, and every time I heard them say the word choose, I would finish their statement with choose to kill their baby. I would finish the statement for them because that's mm-hmm. what they mean. And nobody, we don't talk about that. Now we, we even went from the place of choice to now women's health because they want, they want to make it think that it's something about health care or women in general, yep. and that's what the argument is about, but it's about death. It's or, about or if she gives birth to the child or carries the child, she's going to die. Right. And I, I just can't um, uh, comprehend this um, desensitization that we've had to this kind of murder and you know you mentioned the holocaust in a previous segment um you know that's how they justified that's why people were so numb to what was happening to the jewish people because why they weren't considered human beings mm-hmm. they were considered subhuman so it was no big deal for them to be sent to the gas chamber or for medical testing to be done upon them and i often tell people i said you know when when um, all the videos and all those things at the height of ISIS and everything that was going on in Iraq and in other parts of the world in Africa, and these guys were putting videos of these, these people in uh, jumpsuits and they were cutting their heads off or burning them alive. And I would say to people who ever wanted to enter into an abortion debate with me, I said, are you appalled by this? And they're like, absolutely. I said, so it's it's horrific if their heads are cut off when they're alive and full-grown adults. I mm-hmm. said, but when they're children in a womb and it's done in a quiet setting with a lab coat, it's okay to carve them up to death. And we know that it's it, it pieces. I mean, it's arms and legs and right. bodies and heads because they have to make sure they get all the baby out of the womb. Yep. So they put it on a, a plate so they can, okay, there's two arms, there's two legs. They count all of that stuff. Yep. There was a woman at the the Right to Life march this past weekend who was telling her testimony about how, at the age of 16... Played it yesterday yeah, on my show. Did you? That she was able to do that. And um, that basically suffering, suffering PTSD every time she heard a vacuum cleaner because yeah. of what happened then, you know? and But we don't want to talk about those things. And there's actually a verse in the book of Jeremiah, and... It, it, it's give you some concept about how God looks at some things. And he was dealing with Israel. 
Uh, and he said that you have forsaken me and you have made this place an alien place because they have burned incense to other gods whom they, uh, neither they nor their fathers nor the kings of Judah have known, and they have filled this place with the blood of the innocents. They have also built the high places to Baal to burn their sons with fire for burnt offerings to Baal, which I did not command or speak, nor did it even come into my mind. So God said, this is so horrific that I didn't even think I needed to give you a commandment to tell you to not do this. Yeah, not to throw your Sons. child into yeah. a, a bronze statue that was red hot. Yep, and and to think about that, and we go, well, that's different. That's a full-grown baby. We are one breath away from, and there are men, you know, I think who was the guy that the video came out, Goslin? Um, oh, yeah. Um, or Gosnell, whatever Gosnell. his name. Gosnell. That, um, that... There are there are men and doctors in this nation that if they could do it without fear of prosecution would take a live baby out and kill it right then and there, whether the women wanted it or not. There's just that cold of a heart. Well, they don't talk about it, uh, Steve, but there, it, it happens all the time. Yeah. The child that's born that maybe uh, has a, something wrong, maybe missing a leg or, or whatever, and so they do what they call humanitarian care, mm-hmm. and they keep the baby warm and push it to the side and just let it die. Yeah. I mean, it happens every day in our country, yeah. and many of us just want to act like the three monkeys in that statue of see no evil, hear no evil, you know, yeah. speak no evil. Yeah, we don't, yeah, don't want to talk about it. Uh, we don't want to talk about things like that's been going on in Syria for the last eight years. They, you know, they have a fit uh, about um, this, like this reporter that got killed in Turkey, right? Yeah. And it was all over the news for three or four weeks. 800,000 people have died in, ter- in, in Syria and virtually nobody's talking about how bad uh, this that situation is. They only talk about the things that they want to push that are going to push their agenda and if you want to know their agenda you got to talk about this woman that you were talking about on the other hour this AOC whatever Cortez that's their agenda that's what they want they want somebody that's going to take control of this nation that's going to push for be whatever you want if you're a man be a girl if you're a girl be a boy if you want to kill children right up to the women then go right ahead that's the agenda that's what they're pushing and that's that's the part that concerns me is because there is and here's what's also really concerning to me is the people who had the platform and the voices in the pulpits and the television programs and, and given the opportunity to speak here today is to tell people that we've got to repent as a nation. There, there's not a call for repentance. We have so many people in churches that are, that are trying to motivate us by going to the polls, and though that's a good thing, but we need to motivate people to repent. The vast majority of the guy, the guy who is going to sign that bill identifies himself as a Catholic. Yeah, cool. Even the Catholic uh, religion stands against abortion. But yet this guy says, I am, quote-unquote, a Christian, and I am for killing children all the way up until their birth. There, there's, you, you can't identify, and it's because people don't understand their faith. This is what is so passionate about Pastor Scott and I, why the school, and why we think things, because we've gotten away from who Jesus, who Yeshua really was. And when you do that, you can come up and justify virtually anything because Jesus just becomes some political figure, a rebel rouser, and not connected to his faith and his roots. All right. So it's a quarter after uh, five. Let's take a break. I want to come back, and then I want to pick up something else. Uh, you know, somebody saying that uh, Jesus was just a Palestinian. Uh, you know, Jesus was uh, a Palestinian who was uh, not welcomed back into Jerusalem and had to end up at, uh, in Bethlehem and 
and and you know all of the, right. the stuff that's going. I want to. I, I don't want to move away from the abortion thing because it's important. We continue to talk about this. I mean, I can't tell you how much that hurts my spirit mm-hmm. of what happened today. Yeah. I almost couldn't get through reading that article. I almost was in tears. Yeah. Just amazes me that we have a place in this country where they have no problem saying, "Yeah, you can kill a kid." long as it's in the womb it's not i'm just here's the warning and and uh you know and the warning is a, a clear one for me if you can you can make the argument in your mind that that's not a human you can make the argument in your mind that it's not a human at any stage right. of its development yep it's one of the things that francis schaefer taught me at in, in when i was college age it's all just a state of development is all it is. That's why you're seeing a lot of the, the euthanasia stuff coming up. And think about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Denmark announced in a store. Not, they didn't announce it. Newspaper came up with the, the uh, particular uh, numbers. But since two, a couple of years ago, they got uh, assisted suicide there. And now 25% of the deaths that happened in Denmark are assisted. Mm-hmm. That should warn you what's coming, and there's people pushing it all the time here in our own country. Hey, by the way, if you got warts, uh, Applied uh, Research of Arkansas wants you to know if you got them, uh, they're ready to take action. They have a new clinical study that could wipe the warts away for you. Participants receive free study-related care and medication as well as compensation for time and travel. To apply online, go to arcarkansas.com. That's arcarkansas.com. Uh, and, or you can call today at 501-954-7822. 501-954-7822 and find out about this research. That's Applied Research of Arkansas. All right. We're back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. It's uh, 21 minutes after 5. And uh, let's move away from abortion for a moment, because we're going to come back to it. The, the, this story today has, uh, it's what they call, you know, something I guess you could say being slayed in the spirit a little bit. Here. I mean, it, it, it cut deep into me when I read that story. But uh, you wanted to mention something else. What was it that you wanted to talk about? Uh, it was either from the... Her, her context of who Jesus was. That, yeah, you want to talk about that, and you also wanted to talk about the 12 years. Correct. But let's start off with when people don't understand who Jesus was as a historical figure, mm-hmm. people try to reframe who he was. Yep. So I'll turn it over to you. So I, was having, I used to have a, a men's uh, group. We would meet for coffee on Tuesdays, and there was a man, um, and he was talking about um, who... Um, Jesus was. And one of the ways he explained, because he, he was hanging with, we did this in Conway, it was in the college town, right? And so he was talking about a lot of the kids that were in that area, and he said a lot of the people don't, a lot of these kids, he said, don't know who he was. They they view him as some Chaco-wearing hippie. And he was just some sandal-wearing hippie who was all about love and peace, right? And which is the perfect model, right, that your socialists are going to push. And then so you have uh, people like this woman who, who say that even Jesus was a Palestinian refugee. Well, if you remove him uh, from his context, then you can make him into whatever you that's want him to exactly be. That's exactly right. And that's, that's what, it, that's, um, that's what um, 
people who are your extremists, whether you know be people in the Klan uh, who make him some crazy white European, uh, or you got people like her who make her some Palestinian. And this also shows not only you can talk about her ignorance of economics, but her ignorance of history. Uh, for one, uh, the word Palestine did not come about until the year 135 when Emperor Hadrian, after he got after the Second Jewish Revolt, changed the name of Judea and Samaria or Israel to Palestine in honor of the Philistines uh, who were Israel's greatest enemies. Yeah, let me, let me stop you there because a lot of people get that mixed up. Yeah. When you say that, uh, for instance, Samson went out and slew the Philistines, they're thinking Palestinians. Right. They right. really are. Right. And though that's where the name came from, it was because he wanted to um, degrade all the Jewish people. Uh, and so we just now, since we removed uh, Jesus and we make him, you can't make him a Palestinian because the people didn't exist. And oh, by the way, the people didn't exist until 1967. Uh, if you want to know uh, why the area of the West Bank is called the West Bank, how come it, it's called the West Bank when it's on the east side of the Jordan? Or, I'm sorry, on the east side of Israel, but on the mm-hmm. west side of Jordan, because it used to be part of Jordan, and there was no such thing as the Palestinians uh, until 1967 when when uh, Jordan lost that war. But that's another time for another show. Yeah. But um, so when you make uh, Jesus this guy, then he becomes a guy who's rebellion, rebelling against the cause. And then what did the church do? Well, the church not only thought that he was rebelling against his faith that he came to create two separate covenants. Now we have this new covenant that has replaced the old covenants, which the Jews were under, and now he has this new entity called the church, which has replaced I'm Israel. I'm hearing that a lot more now. Yeah, and I often tell, and I've heard people say it this way. more. If God can eliminate his covenant with Israel, then he can eliminate his covenant with you that he made through the promise of the Messiah. If he can eliminate any covenant simply because of your failure, then he can eliminate any covenant that he's made with anybody. He cannot. And when we create these um, separate time periods, if you will, a common phrase is used as dispensation. I'm in the middle of teaching, actually I just concluded the second semester of History of the Church. And we are, and we just got to the beginning of the 5th century. That's how much material was in these 24 lectures. Uh, and, and when you see what happened and what we teach today in, in most churches, allows for people like her to think that he was not here to fulfill all the promises of the prophets, but to actually separate himself from his faith. And when he separates himself from his faith and he becomes a European, as a lot of the uh, Western church looks at, or he becomes a Palestinian in her view, then you can make him out to be whatever he need, whatever you need him to be to fulfill your particular cause. That's why we push so much when, when Pastor Scott and I have the chance to share here about how important it is for you to understand the scriptures in their context, in their political setting, in their geographical setting, in their historical, um, linguistical, and, and, and um, idiomatic, all of these things that help us understand the scriptures. You won't come to these foolish conclusions that he was some Palestinian refugee just wandering in the wilderness, grabbed up these 12 guys out of nowhere for no particular reason, and he just healed people for no particular reason. And even his healings were fu- to, fulfill to fulfill tradition and to fulfill prophecy. Yeah, scripture. Yep. Old Testament scripture. Yep. And people forget that when he comes back, he's coming back to this city called Jerusalem, to this land called Israel, not Palestine. And he's going to unseat all of these people who think they're doing the will of God by splitting this land and splitting this city. Uh, so we need to pay attention and really get into who he was so we don't – and we've done it. You know, I can be critical of her, and that's an extreme view, but the church has done this as a whole. 
And that's why the vast majority of the church doesn't even understand him in his context of when he came as the Messiah. And we've turned him into, instead of a Palestinian, we've turned him into a European. Yeah, and let's remember the only law that was unseated by Christ was the law of death. Yeah, that's right. It was, his, it was his death that got rid of spiritual death. Yep. A lot of people miss when it talks about him, about us no longer being under the law, especially in the book of Romans. It's talking about the law of sin and death. Or Galatians. Yes. And and, and um, Hebrews is another one where people like to refer to. But the context of Hebrews is dealing with the sacrificial system, not the law of God as a whole. Because if you ask somebody and say, well, you know... It, I used to say some really strong, sarcastic things, and I know that probably surprises you. No, oh, yeah. To really make my point about some things. Because if, um, if the law became spiritual, then does that mean that we can commit literal sin? And there's a lot of people teaching that. There are preachers well, out there. Let me just stop you right here, because let's, let's look at the son of a very well-known That's right. evangelical preacher yep. uh, from Atlanta, Georgia, who has said that the Ten Commandments don't matter anymore. Yep. And that was who? Uh, Stanley. Stanley. Yeah. And so not, you can not, do that. Not the old Mr. Stanley. That's right. Yeah, the young But one. we're talking his son. Yep. And that has just, I'm just telling you, has lit up yeah. uh, the uh, the Internet here over the last few weeks. I always weeks. point people to the story of Ananias and Sapphira. All they did, you know, they made a vow. And they said to the early church, they said to Peter and the early apostles, hey, we want to make a contribution to the cause. And they sold their property, and then they went to go make that contribution. And then they actually said to the apostles that they sold it for less than what they did because they wanted to keep back a portion of it. And when asked about it, Peter asked him, he said, did you sell the property for this and this amount? And he said, yes, we did. And he called him a liar, and he said, and he died before Peter's feet. His wife came in a few minutes later, shortly after they buried his, her husband, mm-hmm. and asked her the same question. Did you sell the property for such or such? And she said, yes. And then he said, behold, the men who have buried your husband are back. And she died at his feet. This is New Testament post-resurrection to people who lied to the face of the apostle. So if you think somehow the standards have changed or somehow he winks or we can spiritualize the Ten Commandments, uh, then you've completely misunderstood. And Mr. Stanley, just like Ms. Cortez, is an exact another example of someone who doesn't understand the mission of what Jesus came to do, not to abolish the law, but to abolish the consequences, the um, the penalty, not the consequences, the penalty. Well, you say if people say that Christ came not uh, to, to do to, to do away with the law. He didn't come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill the law. That means that Stanley's a false teacher. That's right. We'll talk about it when we come back. Well, I've been telling you about PI Roofing and Home Solutions, and they bought Tommy's Gutter Cleaning Services. And uh, Tommy's did a fantastic job, uh, but PI Roofing saw the advantages of merging the two companies. And so if you're a customer of Tommy's, uh, you can rest assured that PI Roofing is going to continue providing the highest quality gutter cleaning at a great value to you, as well as uh, with the recent purchase by uh, PI Roofing Home Solutions, if you're a Tommy's Gutter Cleaning Service customer, uh, understand that now you get the great team of PI Roofing and their comprehensive roofing and home repair expertise. 
Uh, to find out more about all of this, just uh, go to piroofing.com. That's piroofing.com. All right, with us finishing up today, we've got 25 minutes left. I've got, uh, you know, Steve Hess, Pastor Steve Hess is with us. And, Steve, again, uh, we're going we're to talk about some more things today that your all school will help people with. Uh, one of the things that it will help you is that, you know, as we talked about, Stan, you know, Brother Stanley uh, saying that the, the Ten Commandments really don't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, he didn't say it that way, but that's... I think he used the phrase, we need to disconnect ourselves. Yeah, from, from, the, ten, yeah, from the Ten Commandments. Yeah. And, and think about this. If, if you say that uh, Christ came to get rid of the law, totally, mm-hmm. the covenants, the, uh, he started a new covenant, all the other covenants, the you know, Davidic, the Noah, uh, the Abraham... Uh, the mosaic that none of those matter any longer you're saying the same thing mm-hmm. yeah. i don't think people realize that yeah. you're you're they saying don't. the exact same thing and it's not true that's right you know there's there's a common story that people don't look at um and by the way let me just say i'm not saying that you can earn that's right your salvation that's not what i'm saying Christ came. He he was the ultimate sacrifice. Correct. He takes the place of bulls and rams and all the rest, and he and his blood save us. However, the covenants are there to keep us in line. That's right. I say it this way, part of the misunderstanding, right? So we're waiting for the kingdom of God to come, okay? Well, in order to have a kingdom, you have to have a king. In order for there to be a king who rules over a kingdom, he has to have land and he has to have rules to govern that land the abrahamic covenant gives us the land Uh, the mosaic covenant gives us the rules and the davidic covenant gives us the king so now we have what he actually came to fulfill he came to be not the fulfillment in english the completion of but the ultimate pinnacle of the reason all of those were giving so he is the king that manages the laws that governs the land that's that's the purpose of those covenants he didn't come to eliminate and remove those and when you start teaching that then it allows us to evolve into this place where in the past the majority of your Christians would say, well, we're no longer under the law. And then you, if you say something extreme, like, well, what about adultery? Can I commit? Well, no. Well, can I steal? Well, no. Can I beat my parents now? Well, no. Well, why? Yeah. And they'll say, well, we're no longer, <laughs> we don't have to observe the Sabbath or the feast or the food laws. And you go, uh, okay, but where does that dividing line? So when you when you do this evolution through then you come to this place where Mr. Stanley has, and that is you don't even have to worry about the 10. You can disconnect yourself. He's not the only one, by the way. There's a lot of big-name guys out there that are, that are pushing this. And I, I don't know how they get to this place where, well, then you've got to be led by the Spirit. Well, what if I come to you and says the Spirit tells me it's okay to steal now? Well, no, you can't do that. Well, why? What's your justification? Your justification has got to be the document that is the foundation for mm-hmm. what governs our way of life. Because if not, if we want to be an anti-law, well, where, where are you going to get your, your scriptures that talk about life if you're, if you're against abortion? you got to go where Moses said, choose life. You go to where Moses says, if a man, two men get in a fight and they hit and they run into a woman and she's pregnant and the baby dies, then they die. Or you go back to the Ten Commandments where it says, Thou, Thou shalt, shalt not, not kill. Right. So, or murder. Murder you, is the, perf- the pr- uh, preferred 
Correct. word. So we could go to Mr. Stanley and say, are you for abortion? And if he said no, say why? Well, we, we shouldn't kill. Well, what, what are you basing that on? Isn't that not one of the Ten Commandments? And, and it's, it's unfortunate. And there's a verse that Jesus said in Matthew 24. Uh, and he said that many will come in my name saying that I am the Christ and they will deceive many. And we often look at that to be false prophets who are claiming to be the Messiah. Like there's this guy in Mexico and place, all places around the world where there's guys saying hey, it. Tony Lama. Right. I'm Jesus or I'm the Messiah and all that kind of goofiness. Well, he, that's not what Jesus said here. He said people will come in my name and they will tell you that I am the Messiah, but they're going to deceive you. See, we often read that is that they're claiming to be the Messiah. That's not what he's saying. He's saying there's going to come people and they're going to tell you that I am the Messiah, that Jesus is the Messiah, but they're going to deceive you. And they, and they also lay the foundation for Matthew 7 where it says, Not everybody who calls me Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? And it says because, they did, because of lawlessness is why they didn't get in. Whoa, what do you mean lawlessness? Because they did not follow commandments. And what was the Great Commission? Jesus said to observe all the things that I commanded you to do. We have, man, we are so far away from who he was. Um, you know, on another agenda, when people talk about not just who Jesus was, but how the early church had all things in common and those kind of things, you'll, you'll pull those scriptures out of Acts uh, 2 and 3. Well, they'll forget to pull the part out where Paul said that if you do not work, you do not eat. So Paul said there was a stipulation for those who had everything in common in the community that they still had an obligation to support the community. And and what? So, again, we pull another scripture out or another story and take it out of context to to drive our political or social social agenda. We have to keep Jesus, the apostles, in their context. And I can tell you that as early as the late 90s and the early 2nd century is how quick— that we started to separate ourselves from first century Judaism. That's how fast it came in. We often point to Constantine and we'll say it happened in the third century, but the truth is that foundation was laid in the in the second and third centuries long before. Constantine was just the one who cemented it for the Roman Empire. But there were so many different groups that were already pushing to remove us away from that. And, and people who were pushing this um, anti-law, anti-Ten Commandments, uh, complete division of um, church and Judaism need to go back and study where those came in. That those were, The apostles were not teaching that. They were not teaching that. You interpret the scriptures that way because you've been told that for 1,900 years. Even the Apostle Paul, as early as 62 A.D., went to the temple, and they said, look at all the myriads of Jews who are saved, and they said, they are zealous for the law. That wasn't a negative term. He says, all of these Jewish people have come to accept Jesus is their Messiah, and they're still zealous for Torah. And then they said, but we have heard you teach, or it has been said of you, that you teach against Moses. Mm -hmm. And they said to him, take these men, go to the temple, offer a sacrifice, because they have taken a Nazarite vow. And that way, everybody will know what you said is false. You can't get around that. That's 60 to 62 A.D., that Paul was already being misquoted and misunderstood of what his mission was to the Gentiles. And he, he didn't stop there. He didn't say, well, guys, I can't do that because we're no longer under that law. I can't do that because I need to explain to you what the grace of God is. He's, Let's talk he, about the freedom under, under Jesus, in right, other words. Right. He said, I will go and do it. But he, he did it. But it was because they misunderstood his message to try and explain this Jewish Messiah to this Roman and Greek world. And we read those letters 
through a lens of 1,800 years of anti-Semitism, replacement theology, going through five or six different languages before it got to English, and that's how we've gotten to this place. And there's going to come a time with, with all of it, with this nation with killing children and the immorality that's going on around the world, because it's not just here. I mean, uh, like you said, with Denmark and all these other places around the world. Uh, did you know if you ever take a look at to see the high traffic websites on the world? Fifth and six on the world are pornography websites. Oh, I can't Six and seven that. in America are pornography websites. So it's, it's not just here. The world is immoral. The world is wanting to kill children. The world is wanting to be sexually immoral. So it, it's not just here. And it, the day's coming. So the Bible says that God is slow to anger and abundant in mercy. But when his judgment comes, it comes swiftly and without doubt. And I just pray that a revival and a repentance comes in this nation, uh, not this continuing agenda of trying to push this greasy grace mentality. We have got to get on our face and ask God to forgive us for the immoralities that this nation is pushing. And we were the ones that also are pushing a lot of this stuff around the world, uh, of the, uh, uh, the abortion funding and all that kind of stuff. It's not just here. We're, we're the fathers of it. All right. We got to get a break in, then we'll be back for the final segment of the Bible Guys today. Uh, today, of course, uh, Pastor Steve Hess is with us. Scott will be back next week. Bill will be back here in the next few weeks. He'll join us as well. Uh, we're doing the show from the house side of the third floor here at the state capitol, the Dave Ellswick Show. It's 545 on a Tuesday evening. Back with more in just a moment. All right, 12 minutes until we get to 6 o'clock. We're still uh, here at the uh, the state capitol. We'll be here until 6. We'll be back here again tomorrow at 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock hour. Uh, Kim Hammer, state senator, will join me on the show. Uh, Joe and Duck will be here in the 4 o'clock hour. And I can't tell you yet what's going to happen at 2 o'clock or in the uh, 5 o'clock hour. I will also tell you that on Thursday... Uh, in the 2 o'clock hour, former Senator Tom Coburn will be here. He's in town uh, from Oklahoma. He's going to join us and, and talk about the Convention of States, and I'm sure he'll have other things to say about what's going on in the Senate. And then we'll talk to him about that. Uh, J.R. Davis, i got to get hold of him tomorrow. We'll try to move him to 3 o'clock. And then we'll repeat him in the 5 o'clock hour because he'll have some, there's some, if you looked at the paper today, a lot of articles with some interesting things that we need to talk about. But right that, now. That Convention of States, that's not about a constitutional thing. Yes. Oh, it is. It is. Mm-hmm. It's about the Constitutional uh, Convention. Gotcha. So we're going to talk about that with uh, Tom. And uh, the former senator is uh, out talking about it. I'm, I'm in agreement with him. Uh, we need to get uh, the necessary states to want to have it and see if uh, Congress will call it and then, you know, f- fix some things. Cause you if sure we don't you fix want them, so many people yeah. that don't know about the Constitution to actually talk about yeah. amending the Constitution? Here's what I'll say about <laughs> it is the Founding Fathers said, okay, so if it gets so bad, there is a last resort. This is kind of like, uh, you know, the, the nuclear option. You know, you can push the button. You know, you don't know exactly what might happen, but it can't be any worse than what's happening right now. Well, I would disagree. I'm just saying. It wouldn't be there unless they thought it Well, no, be I mean, it can be worse than what it is right well, now. Well, I won't say that that's not true, <laughs> but I'm just saying that the Founding Fathers wouldn't have given us that 
opportunity if they hadn't foreseen what right. might happen. Right. So with that said, we'll talk to that at another time. I'll have you on the show when I talk about it. You want to be on Thursday with, doc, with Dr. Cover? <laughs> sure. Anyway, let's, um, <laughs> I let's, need some education. let's get back and talk uh, some more about this. Uh, Cortez, mm-hmm. who is one of my favorite people to talk about, but to know that now that 74% of Democrat-leaning voters if she was 35 years old, they'd vote for her for president. Tells me I got to take her more seriously than I have because mm-hmm. she says so many outrageous things. I just figure people are smart enough to know that it's all poppycock. Yep. It's not. They believe her. They actually believe that there's money trees uh, planted in Washington, D.C., and they just go out and pull money off the trees uh, to pay for all these free programs that they're uh, uh, going to get started. Let's talk about this. She says in 12 years, global warming destroyed the planet. <laughs> yeah. What's your thoughts? Well, my thoughts with um, – so there's a couple ways we can look at this view. We should uh, take care of the earth. Um, well, it we, says we're, we're stewards. Right. We're stewards of the earth. Um, there's even a phrase that, that some of these guys would use in the book of Revelation that says because they destroyed the world. is part of the reason why God judged brought judgment. Okay. But the destruction of the world came about through sin and their sinfulness, not because uh, of, of, of poor stewardship, though that's a, that's a part of it. Uh, but if you go back to, in the book of Romans, it talks about people like this, where it says that they worship the creation, uh, or they replaced, actually, the creator with the creation. Yeah, they worship and, the creation yeah, instead of the creator. They worship Mother Earth. They worship trees. Mm-hmm. Uh, they worship everything um, but the creation. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things they I, deny God. That's right. Um, one of the things I thought was fascinating about that woman that spoke at the uh, Right to Life when she said, if a woman was pregnant with a kitten and it turned into a human, that they would save the life of that kitten. And so, you know, she was using some yeah, strange analogy. I, I understand what she's saying. They would save the cat before they would save That's the human baby. That's what Paul Calvert said. No, was it? Yeah, he he made the statement that uh, there are people out there that if you did something to a cat that was pregnant and it caused them to lose their their kittens uh they would fine you or or could even give you jail time Mm. for killing an animal but they let you just walk out and head out back home if you kill your baby yeah and and you know this all comes from this idea and why is she touting this idea about the the world ending in 12 years uh it's very interesting and i'm not going to get into that that part of it today um but maybe what I next week? <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but the, what's what's interesting though is um, when it begins to happen, when the return of the Lord is going to approach, and when the judgments come. The judgments, and when you read the judgments, they are done from a very natural way. They're plagues, they're, they're asteroids, they're earthquakes. volcanoes, they're earthquakes, they're floods, or these all these different things that are happening. And what's going to happen? Instead of realizing that God's judging the world for its sinfulness, that they're going to say God's judging the world because of global warming. Actually, they won't even say God's judging it because of global warming. They're going to blame it on global warming. And so it's not going to appear as the end. Um, sometimes we have this idea that in the book of Revelation, when we see these beasts rising up out of the sea, we expect to see that literally and all that kind of foolishness, and that's not the case. Uh, and I often use the example of what happened when Jesus came the first time. Uh, to the people of the day, though he, to many in Israel, he, he appeared to be, and they believed him to be the Messiah, 
But to the Romans, they just like, man, this guy is just another rebel rouser. If we don't put him down, then he's going to raise up a rebellion, uh, and then they're going to try and overthrow you know, our outpost out here. And so to the world, to everybody else, he, that's all he appeared to be, a man who just died between two criminals. And then the story is really when it begins. But the, the earth-shattering, what happened? So when he died, there was darkness over the earth. There was an earthquake. When he rose, there was an earthquake. These were all natural things. And because there are people like her, when these events begin to unfold, they're going to point to global warming. And that's why they're going to say there are these volcanoes. That's why there are these tsunamis. I don't know how they're going to explain away an asteroid, but, you know, I'm sure they'll figure it out. Uh, they'll come up with some way. They're you should have got out of natural. the way. Right, right. And they even do it today. And I don't. And I'm not doubting that these things are going to happen naturally, because God said He called heaven and earth as witness. So in biblical Jewish law, the two witnesses had to be the ones that cast the first stone or performed whatever the execution was. So that's why I don't think it's uncommon that so much of it was done naturally uh, through the, those natural means, and that's how it appears. There's even a, a theory out there, and I think it's probably accurate, that talks about the events of the Exodus and the ten plagues. And how that it was a volcano that erupted up north, and that the the it killed the turned the the Nile red, killed the fish, which drove the frogs out of the water. The frogs died. Uh, that brought the plagues. That brought the lice. The uh, darkness came from the volcano that, that eventually covered the land. You know, from the ash and. But that it, it was miraculous, and that it all happened. At the same time. Correct. As God was telling Moses. Correct. So to every, now if we had the media going on there watching, they would say, well, our scientists are telling us this. You're correct. So don't be deceived when we start approaching those times, because I do believe we are in those days. Um, and Because I don't think it's an accident with Jerusalem and, and Israel being reborn, Jerusalem being returned, uh, the city being um, reclaimed or by the Cyrus of the day, our president, um, telling the world that, Jerusalem is the capital of the city. I, I just don't, and it happened in the 70th, 70th year, the 50th year that Jerusalem is. There's a lot of things that are really interesting that were never possible in any other generation that, that really should cause us to watch. Um, so, anyway, when these things um, begin to happen, and you got people like her and others on the left who worship the creation, um, be understand and look how God judged any, uh, any other time he judged, whether it be how he judged Israel in, in uh, 70 A.D., uh, or how he judged them in 586, how he judged Egypt, how he judged Babylon, how he judged Sodom and Gomorrah. So they were all done, not just naturally, because he did use uh, the Assyrians and the Babylonians, and I believe that's really the rise of Islam today. Why Islam is covering the earth uh, is because I believe they're going to be the instrument of God's judgment against mankind. All right. We're out of time. Oh, wow. Always. You did good. You were watching the clock. Ah, did I? Yeah. Excellent. You yeah, were good. All right, Steve, uh, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, do you have an email they can send you? Um, Besides can, Bible guys at SalemLR.com? Yeah, they can reach me at my person, which is uh, hess.one at att.net. But if they go to the AmericanInstitute.org, then I've got a link. I've got a website, um, an institute website yeah, there. Remember that, AmericanInstitute.org. Yep. Start learning some of this stuff because I think it's very, I won't say kind of important, it's very, very important because you're part of the vine of Judaism. That's right. Keep that in mind. All right. Got to get a break uh, for news, and then we've got uh, special programs coming up after this. I'll see you again at 2 o'clock. 
tomorrow right here at the uh, house side of uh, the, uh, the Capitol. Until then, have a great evening, and I'll see you then.